0: Off the ball.
1: It's not okay for him to be fine in a test match like that. It's a fulcrum position where everything runs through 9 and 10. You don't get to be fine in, in matches like that where
2: you start. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember. Everglade shave, magnificent moves. All right, you're very welcome along to the uh, Monday Club, Shane Hannon. It's Monday.
0: How are you? Good to be here. Someone commented actually recently, saying, "Calling me Shane. I don't do Mondays, Hannon.
2: Is, is it good to be here? I see you'd like a little bit of salt pudding or something to just take the edge off. Yeah, I've
0: got a, I've got stay on my eyes. So anyone who wants to zoom oh. zoom really far in on their uh, on their camera this morning, please do and uh, enjoy enjoy it. So, yeah, a little bit of painkillers on a Monday morning. For my first Monday morning in three years. How do the young people get pink eye these days? I don't know. Uh, I, obviously, the whole uh, whole rumor is the fart in the pillow, Jar. But I don't, don't think that was the case with myself. I think I just got it.
2: So um, uh, I haven't heard that rumor. Uh, mostly, the rumor would be that you know you picked it up off another human being. No, no, that wasn't certainly wasn't the case no,
0: with me. That's, yeah,
3: that's, yeah,
2: that wasn't the
0: case with me. I haven't been out enough recently for that to be the case. So, well, yeah, I wish true. you all the best with that. <laughs> so yeah, it's good to be here on a Monday morning. The traffic was uh, brutal, and it was raining, and it was dark. So. Uh, a nice welcome to the Monday Club.
2: Yeah, off to a good start. Uh, right, well anyway, it is 7.31 and there's too much that has happened over the weekend for us to uh, labour the point any further. If you want to get involved in the conversation this morning, 87 is the WhatsApp number. Or of course, you can always leave a comment on the YouTube stream. We're going to get straight into the performance rankings. Alan Quillen is standing by. He's going to talk to us about all of the rugby. Uh, Josh van der Fleer, the Nick White scenario and everything else that's happened over a very busy weekend. England coming back from the dead. Wales. I mean... I felt a bit of sympathy for Welsh Rugby. It was a very unusual situation at the weekend. No, you didn't. Uh, Sports pages. um, We're going to talk with David Snade. We've Qatar 2022. We have apparently one of the all-time great club hurling matches where the reigning All-Ireland champions are starting to feel themselves against the Limerick side. Is there any template there for the rest of the country to try and beat Limerick? I'm not sure. But we talk about that. And uh, meanwhile, are slowly regathering, feeding the revenge narrative. And then we'll bring you a clip from the Sunday Papers to play it out this morning. But as ever, if you want to get in touch, 87 180, 180 is the WhatsApp number. Let's get straight into the Gillette Labs performance rankings. You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on their second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not.
3: OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm scratching my head. That performance just lacked that intensity. Have you
2: done this before? Do you know what you're doing? Are you, are you okay on your own here? Yeah, let's what? go. Let's yeah. go. Let's okay. do it. Uh, so Basically, we're... we have a traffic light system, Shane. Okay, talk, talk us through red. for the, for the viewers is, that don't know either. Red is bad. Okay. Amber is like, meh. And green is go. Okay, so we get to the good
0: stuff at the very end, the positive stuff at the end. So we start yeah. off at, with a real negative start to the Monday morning. The red red, the really maroony red is FIFA and Contagia. Uh I guess we could say the fans... And what happened yesterday in the, the first game, Like I was watching the opening ceremony with Morgan Freeman and I was thinking, this is bizarre. Um, and then you see the, the empty seats emerge in the second half and you're thinking, oh, they're just they're just picking up their little feeds and their, their non-alcoholic drinks at half-time and enjoying themselves and having a chat. But uh, those people never took their seats. Um, so by the end of the game, there's thousands upon thousands of empty seats. And I know a lot of... Journalist Gavin Cooney was in the stadium as well, and they were kind of saying it was just a bit of a bizarre atmosphere. You saw the uh, the Qatari fans behind the the goal, who apparently have been there from from well before kick off. Um, and bear in mind, this is a stadium forty kilometers outside of Doha. I'm fairly sure, middle of the desert, traffic situation wouldn't be the best. Um, but it, it was just a bizarre one. And then you're seeing the likes of Erdogan up in the up in the the comfy seats with the the FIFA top brass and the Saudis and the other Gulf leaders and uh, it all just felt a little bit strange. If you're watching on TV, you saw the Gary Lineker kind of kicked it all off with a, a fairly reasonable speech that he would have prepared for, for quite some time and, and spoke out fairly vehemently against the, the um, Qataris, which was, which was powerful. And then you see Gary Neville over on BN Sports, the, the Qatari channel, with, with uh, Richard Keyes and Andy Gray and uh, probably less so. I think he was a little bit more toned down on Qatari television than, than he perhaps was at home. But um, I don't know how you felt, Joe, but the, the whole thing for me had to be in the red this morning in terms of uh, the the whole first day experience. Like, we're not even talking about the match, and, and for good reason.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, the match uh, in some way redeemed a little bit uh, the sport itself in that, like, you know, I definitely, when the first offside decision was made, you're like, oh, it looks like the fix is in here. Yeah. Um, I still don't really understand the offside decision, even after they show us on VAR. No. It's like, well when was that ball played and is he, is that, who? Is yeah, that, and when
0: was he offside? Like, what,
2: what, what point in the whole scoring of the goal is this? It's obviously like, it's when the ball is played to him. Yeah, but, but it, it was, anyway, it looked, it looked, it did look like, oh, this is not going to be great. And then they award the penalty, which I think is an important moment uh, in <laughs> football history where it's okay, the fix is not in, that's good. Yeah. And, um, and from that point forward, at least, enter Valencia, wins the game and uh, you can't you know you can't just uh, buy the tournament uh, any more than they've already bought the tournament and you have to say that it's backfiring pretty rapidly right like an empty stadium uh, people constantly talking about the migrant workers and uh, human rights issues like is Qatar will their reputation be enhanced by having this and and maybe the sports watching isn't working for a change maybe the sports watching is actually having the Barbara Streisand effect. Yeah, and usually it does work. We've
0: spoken on the show many times about how sports watching has worked and uh, all of a sudden we're talking about Newcastle United's performances on the pitch and forgetting about the Saudis. But on this occasion, you're seeing the empty seat and you're thinking... Like Mark Ogden made the point on Twitter yesterday, uh, football journalist in the UK, he was talking about the fact that he's seeing Argentinian fans walking around in Qatar and and how passionate they are and he saw the same in Russia. They were probably the the, uh, the country with the most fans in Russia, I think he made that point. And like... You know, nowadays we should be giving a World Cup to countries with the most passionate fans and yes we're giving a World Cup to a country with absolutely no football culture that, I'm not saying that the Middle East shouldn't get a World Cup of well, course it so, should
2: uh, yeah I, like it's possible to have all of these uh, competing notions in your head at the same time I, I do think that a Winter World Cup is not the uh, massive aberration that um, the Anglo-centric world thinks it is like uh, it's a Winter World Cup for everybody in the Southern Hemisphere every time Mm. you know like "Uh, uh, but it doesn't work with our football season well your football season is not the only football season in the world yeah sure the Premier League is the biggest and richest but like if the biggest and richest always gets whatever they want that's not really the whole point of this so I do think that like so I I saw the clip of Gary Neville saying that a Muslim country and a Middle Eastern country should be getting the World Cup I actually would agree with that this isn't it isn't the World Cup of democracy either it isn't the World Cup of Commonwealth of like-minded states it is supposed to be genuinely a World Cup and like um, at some point loads of... Uh, at some point, all of those conversations about everybody's foreign policy can lead you to go, well, okay, we can't actually do any... We can't have any dealings with this country, but... Um, so, notwithstanding all that, Qatar shouldn't have had it. Like, that's very clear, right? Well, uh, yeah. And it's becoming increasingly clear that they're not really ready for it and that it's going to be a bit of a shit show. And uh, so, hopefully, this whole thing has backfired. Like, but having said that, Gianni Infantino has been reappointed unopposed for a third term, so... Nothing's going to change today. I feel, yeah, he's just the most bizarre speech ever that you'll
0: ever see in advance of a World Cup. Like you start to wonder, does Gianni Infantino have people around him that, that are telling him not to to speak, or does he have too much power that maybe they're afraid to to stop him from saying certain things? But um, if anyone had looked over that speech in advance, I mean, surely you would have said, hold, hold "Well, it was right ripped here. off
2: from um, Andrew Como, the um, New York politician from 2017." So I'd say they thought it was great. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll have a little bit of that, and it's um. <laughs> I mean, in the right hands, the speech could have been very powerful. Like, you know, if somebody wasn't a complete hypocrite uttering the words. But uh, I think we should move on from this, because I'm I'm already, like... vexed and tired of it. Yeah, so that's red. The first red. FIFA and Qatar. Second
0: red, uh, slightly less red. um, Rugby head injuries. Still a very serious issue. And, uh, I mean, the conversation has flared up out of uh, Ireland's 13-10 win over Australia on Saturday night at the Aviva. And uh, Nick White. And for anyone who watched the match, you'll have seen that the... uh, Worrying images of, of him being very unsteady on his feet. Um, per balance, I, d- I don't know what he was like in terms of his coordination and that was a point made on, on, on television afterwards. Um, and, and this whole issue of what did he have a dazed, blank, vacant look. I mean, you can make your own mind up. Um, interesting discussion on Virgin Media with Joe and, and uh, Matt Williams and uh, Rob Carney afterwards. Matt uh, very much making the point that you have to trust the medical professionals on this situation. And Rob Carney kind of saying, you know, you have to err on the side of caution when it comes to concussion. And he's someone, uh, they're both, in fact, people who have, who have experienced concussion at some point in their, in their own careers. Um, and they reference the Jeremy Lockman situation as well. And we know that concussion symptoms sometimes don't show, show up for 24, 48 hours, which is a very fair point to make. And with Nick White, you don't have to be a doctor to, to look at those images and say, well, that's concerning. If he doesn't have a concussion, he's unsteady on his feet for some other reason, and, and regardless, he needs to be taken off the pitch for his own sake. Um, so, yeah, listen to medical people, yes, but it is rugby's biggest issue, and, and the lads made that point in television. It's a very, it was very concerning. I don't know what you have made of it, Jar.
2: I think, um, I think the fundamental issue here is that the HIA is not suitable, and uh, so by their own laws, uh, there shouldn't have been a HIA. But the fact that there was a HIA, even after the referee says I saw him stumble. Um, means that the system isn't working. And we're going to talk about this with Alan Quinn a little bit later on. He sent me a link last night to an NPR story that came out in the aftermath of uh, Tua Tunga Viola. He's the Miami Dolphins QB. He was concussed one week, and then the next week he went back out and played, having been essentially cleared to play through their version of the protocols, which, you know, the HIA is a part of rugby's protocols. And then the next week got a horrific injury and was, uh, was sparked clean-out. Uh, now, it has since come back and made a full recovery, so you know you hope that there are no lingering issues from it. But what happened in the aftermath of that was that the NFL decided that they were going to change the rules because the rules here clearly aren't working. So whatever, whatever the disputes about the symptoms, like once somebody stumbles, they're supposed to be taken out for their own good. Uh, it's possible that the stumbling was missed by the independent medical people, um, you would hope that they're listening to the ref mic and so that they can hear that and that um, there's not just one of them. You know, in a situation like this, it's possible that there are going to be multiple concussions at the same time. So you would hope that there are more than one. And so somebody else is like, you keep watching there to see if there's any other bits of data or information or evidence that will help us to make our decision. Because even at that stage, like, why are they going through the HIA? You know, so Nick White says, I was pulled off by the physio to do a HIA. That's the first problem. I felt fine. I passed my HII, went back on. He's subsequently been stood down for 12 days, right? Um, because they've, there's there's like a, a series of um, criteria that uh, if you meet any of these, you get automatically stood down for 12 days, which is now the amount of time that they're they're doing. Remember, it used to be shorter than that. Like in, in years to come, we look back on that period where you could get concussed on a Saturday and be yep. out of the protocol in time for the following Saturday and go, uh that doesn't seem like a very good thing anymore um, so now now it's gone out to 12 days and he's saying that like um, I feel good, I passed my HIA it's good to go, like I'm 78kg running up against these blokes, mate I feel fine now you guys can attest to that The process, I did the HIA and passed it, I'm good how often do I run out of the corner out of a line out and get bashed by three blokes I was just a little ginger, I'm fine mate so um, I think the fundamental issue here is that the the game doesn't quite yet know how to deal with this properly even though it's being sued on multiple fronts and even though it's the major concern that any parents have that any players have that any ex-players have about the long-term damage that brain injuries are going to cause and this keeps happening like it just keeps happening the same thing keeps happening again and again and again and Uh, Rugby's doing its best to try and get on top of it, but whatever they're doing at the moment is clearly failing. And so therefore you have to say, go back and change the rules. Like uh, an organization as uh, self-protective as the NFL and that uses up the lives of its protagonists in a brutal way. um, Even they changed the rules. Even they were like, well, maybe we need to revisit this. And like in large part, it was driven by the players association. So, I actually don't think that the rugby players associations around the world have been anywhere near as strong as they should be. They're all very close to their respective rugby unions. And what are they doing about this? Like, where, where are they saying, okay, we're going to go on strike or everybody's going to wear their socks down next week or everybody's not going to take, uh, take part in sponsor activities around the next internationals or something? Like, what are they doing to say, fix this, uh, world rugby? because. You know, where's the, where's the impetus for change coming? So that was it. I think uh, it is a very complicated issue. I hope uh, Nick White has no long-term damage. I understand the pressure that the independent medical person is under. It's like split-second stuff. And if they didn't, if they were focused on the first bit as opposed to the second bit, and so therefore they're like, well, he, he banged his head, but he got up okay. And he's, he's fine here. He's in the room now, and he's passed all his, his tests. Like, um if nobody had told the independent medical uh, person that there had been stumbling, then what are they supposed to do? Because they can't magic it into existence, you know. If you don't know what you don't know, that's
4: yeah. And it
0: was it was quite obvious to everyone in the in the stadium who saw the two incidents on the on the big screen that that you know he was he was on on his feet. That's for sure. And and the independent doctor needs to be made aware of that. You know, if they're not aware of it, then they need to be made aware of any video evidence that that kind of backs up potential concussion. And like it's okay, it's okay, Nick White saying that. You know, I feel fine, mate, but. The reality is it's not down to the players. You know, a player can't decide while they're concussed whether, the, whether or not they should be able to play on. And, and even 24, 48 hours later, they, they might still be feeling the effects of concussion and not knowing it. So, yeah, we do need to listen to the medical people. But, um, yeah, as Rob Carney said, it's the single biggest issue facing, facing rugby at the moment. And there's still a long, long, long way to go, as we've seen from, from recent studies. Right. What's next? Republic of Ireland into the uh, the amber I guess Irish football so we had the, the 2-1 defeat to Norway of course uh, disappointing and a poor performance as well uh, and then Malta last night um, if, right let's look at the positives for, for a second because uh, we, we rarely do that Jamie McGraw was good Callum O'Dowdow has come out of these couple of games with his, with his head up um, Mark Sykes from the Ormo Road in uh, Belfast first Belfast born player to line out for the Republic since the 1940s really? yeah apparently so so uh, really good to see him get his get his first um, appearance. Ethan Ferguson, more more uh, football as well for the first team. Um, a win and a clean sheet, I guess, is a, is a positive from last night. Uh, and people like Nathan Collins, of course, staying firm and keeping those clean sheets. Queven uh, Keller to get his appearance as well. That's a stretch. Uh, now, the, the the reality of it and the negatives on this is that it's Malta. Now, we should probably be, be beating Mal- a team like Malta by, by three or four goals.
2: I don't think there's anybody in world football we should be beaten by three or four goals. Possibly eight. not. There isn't. Like, there, I, I think that that time has passed. We're like, uh, we're really at bottom of the second tier, top of the third tier in European football, and like all of those teams can put in a defensive performance and at least draw against us. Like we don't have those rights anymore. We no, don't
0: but if you look at the the level of players we have in the team, we have a few Premier League players and then a majority of Championship and a few League One, like Malta. Aren't anywhere close to the level of of the players in the garland squad, and and we even talk about how the Irish squad is nowhere near what it was in the nineties, which is fair. Yeah, and we we actually have struggled against Malta, even when we had those brilliant teams. Yeah, yeah, And that's maybe international football and players not being used to playing with each other. But I mean, you, like last night, you look at the the first touch of some of the players, the uh, the the look of concern some of them had when they were on the ball. Like, well, that's not good. No, it's worrying, and and you're heading into March now against France and the Netherlands, and you're thinking. Well, Jesus, like, how are we supposed to... Like, the only positive you can take from the last week as well is that Malta drew, I think, 2-2 with Greece. So, I mean, Greece are going to be in our group as well and I'd be concerned about Greece. They're probably the, the worst out of that pool of teams we could have got uh, been drawn with. Um, I, I, I really don't know what the, what the positives are. The whole Stephen Kenny conversation is going to keep going. Of course it is. It's, it's, it's not going to stop. But then people turn around and say it's a results business as well
2: and He got the win last night, I guess. Anyway, it was friendly, so I, I think um, I think you're right, to focus on the performance after a game like that. and yeah. I'm sure they will too. I think um, the some of the tabs in the morning. Here's too few, Mister Robinson. Is the back of the mirror very good? And they also have Kenny's Rob of the green, which isn't great. Uh, that's Callum Robinson. There was another one. Yeah. So what? What's this word? Can you Can you see the screen? Uh, yeah. What What's this bottom word here? Malta here. barely Yeah Come on Malta barely Malt barley Exactly Right But like barely barley Come on That's a stretch is it Come on folks <laughs> in the star, You can do better than that Malta <laughs> they tried. barley At least they tried Now here's uh, This is better Malty towers Ah uh, that's okay Oh you know That's yeah. the inside one Yeah I like that one
0: They could have gone That on the back page A and B yeah. uh, The most pointless game Of all time uh, You know when it comes Straight after the opening World Cup game Albeit a fairly dour World Cup opening game in terms of the two teams involved. Uh, like a seven o'clock kickoff in an international friendly that means absolutely nothing. It's tough to get excited for it. Uh, 700
2: Irish fans over there as well making a lot of noise. Well, I'd say the weather's slightly better than it is here this morning. Yeah. Uh, Will says, Ha ha, I agree with you at a current level, but I don't remember him being so realistic under McCarthy last tenure. Well, maybe McCarthy wasn't picking the right team. You know, he couldn't get Matt Doherty in the side. And uh, our performance against Gibraltar was much worse than it was against Malta last night. And I'd I'd seen Mick McCarthy manage really good players before and not do a great job with it. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, Joe, the question you need to ask after two years is, can he make progress? The answer is no, says Il Pustino88. I've been defending him since the beginning. Now it's just not happening. Uh, The subs were ridiculous. Hendrik has played through all the qualifiers and Nations League. Why not give Smallbone those minutes? did think that there was an opportunity there to give Smallbone, but I guess they couldn't risk another collapse the way we have seen the team have a recent collapse at the Aviva yeah. in a game that was like won and dusted. Daya uh, Shotnick says, more skill and genuine commitment in the Bally Gunner in the Pierce game than this entire World Cup sham. Uh, yeah, tying everything nicely together. Uh, Will says, worryingly, it looks as if the players' enthusiasm for playing for him, Stephen Kenny has waned. I don't know, how do you tell that from like at an end of season friendly, like, uh, I mean, it's obviously not the end of season, but it's the end of that competition is now over, and there's a new competition starting, and we'll have the world's best players coming in short, quick, rapid fire to the Aviva. I think they're going to get up for that, and I'm hopeful that something happens. But I don't expect something to happen at this stage. But should like should, we've got a tough group? Should the motivation not be there to line out for your country, even if it is in a friendly? It's an but, friendly, but, but I mean, when you say the motivation, what a, do you mean? It's like, a cap. It's a cap for your country. Sensational! You're going to put the best performance of all time in, yeah. or you're like, you know, this doesn't actually mean anything. I've got to get up for it slightly differently. I'm. Trying to win my place here. I'm trying to impress yeah, whoever all of it is. you you're, you're trying to win your place. You're trying to impress Stephen Kenny. You're playing for your country. Albeit you thought country we country. should have won that game 3 0 last night, all singing, all dancing, the way we always do in away matches in international. No,
0: no, but, but like with, the t- with the players on our team and the players on the Malta team, I mean, we should be winning those games. And, and look, I understand the conservatism, and one of the uh, listeners has made that point that he's quite conservative with the substitutions. Stephen Kenny was making that point in the press conferences in the last two weeks all along. Because he said it's a results business and he needs to start picking up wins, wow. albeit in friendlies. It doesn't matter. Uh, so I understand that. We just struggle against the low block. Malta had a low block. We struggle against weaker teams for some reason. I just, I just don't understand why. Like On paper, my point is that they should have been winning a game against the likes of Malta 2-3-0. or 3-0. Like, like we didn't we only won because of I don't think all we
2: could play at the moment and you go oh we're definitely going to beat these 3-0 like in, in international football I, don't, I think those days are gone I, that's the first thing I, and um, look I think uh, it's a big campaign coming up next and the team needs to perform much better than it's performing at the moment should
0: we not beat Gibraltar by 3 or 4-0 in the, in
2: I think the... if we if we're like I mean we should <sighs> we mightn't though well so what's what does history teach you that we should do these things that we don't actually ever do anymore, then... Then we lose to the Pharaohs. But then our expectation isn't that good. Or or like, it should be... I don't... This this doesn't... These these literal international friendlies barely exist anymore. Yeah. And so I think they're kind of useless as reference points in the long-term and medium-term. What we've seen from Stephen Kennedy's side is they can put in really good performances against very good teams. They have struggled consistently against sides which defend against us in any meaningful way and I mean I was flicking I'm not, lying, I'm not gonna lie I was flicking back and forth from this game last night to the NFL going I mean maybe I'll just watch some of the uh, red I was, zone I here. was doing the same with the snooker I have to a little to bit of red zone in my life I, yeah. why should I be punished what do we do to deserve this Malta game yeah it was tough it was tough uh, so I think we should be sticking a pin in the Ireland stuff until the March yeah and then it's do or die and that's it like you know judge me on this yeah okay well actually you know and you made a rod for your own back by talking about um, winning the Nations League group. But it's good to have ambition. And uh, it'd be very ambitious for us to think about qualifying from the draw that we've got. But, like, that's the, that's the game. And um, let's see what happens. We're going to talk about this in more detail with David Snade. So if you've got proper football opinions you want us to get to, we will get to it. Uh, we've one of the best young centre-backs in Europe. Play 4-3-3, says Neil Martin. I mean, OK, we definitely have a very highly rated centre-back. But his form is not good at the moment. Like, not good against Norway. Not good last night, was it? No. Uh, I mean, again, I didn't see the full ninety-six, ninety-seven minutes. Like McLean wasn't good last night. Um, Matt Doherty, I,
0: I, I'd almost suggest that. Like, could you put? Could you play Matt Doherty for Ireland at left wing back and have him tucking in on his, on his stronger foot? I, I definitely think that that's uh, an option.
2: Yeah, I think that he he did it. He did he did it well the one night that it happened. And, yeah. Um, so his form is not great at the moment. Uh, But, I don't know, I I definitely would love to see a bit more from our better players. Mm. The experienced heads, and and McLean
0: and and Darty, are two of those, and even, you've seen the likes of Hendrick coming on and not doing much, but look, it's a friendly, and I take your point, it's hard for them players to get motivated. I think you should be motivated playing for your country, but... When you're looking at everyone else heading off for the World Cup and March is the next competitive fixtures, I understand.
2: Chris Cal says, In before the anti-Kenny's, the only time to start judging Kenny is from March, not before. And uh, Jared Lynch of the World Cup says, It felt very strange, the whole run-up to it and everything about it. Not the same FIFA World Cup should be in the summer. Uh, you know, I mean, as I said, uh, you know, it's summer in our part of the world in summertime, but it's actually winter in half of the world. Literally half of the world, it's winter. Well, you know, our summer is the only one that matters. Fair point. We do forget that sometimes. Onto the green,
0: yeah, onto the green. So uh, into the the slightly yellowy green. But uh, Irish rugby, um, I think that's where it belongs because it's been a strange one. Um, because we, we've won three from three, so we should be we should be buzzing, shouldn't we? But uh, realistically, I don't know how we all feel. Uh, like Brent Pope made made the point after the match with uh, with Steve O on uh, on Saturday night against Australia. Like it's like boxing against rugby. You kind of sometimes struggle. Uh, but if you, can, if you can get over the line and get the wins, at, you know, a number of years ago, we'd have taken any sort of win against the likes of Australia. Uh, you know, to have beaten Australia, to have beaten South Africa, to have beaten New Zealand, to be the world number one team in the world, heading to the Six Nations. I mean, in that perspective, it is in the green. We're record equaling 12th consecutive home win for Ireland. That's positive. Um, a November clean sweep. Some really good performances. Ross Byrne with cojones of steel.
2: yeah. I mean, Josh van der Fleer is the real reason this is in the, uh, like, definitely green. Yeah, well, that's green. huge. So World Player of the Year is, um, is van der Fleer, which does not happen very often. Keith Wood uh, at the very start. <laughs> Johnny Sexton once. And, um, and now van der Fleer. That right. is, we'll talk more with Quinny about this. The team has been named there. Um, Sexton was in a 10. Um, so I could just make it out for you. Ellis Genge, Malcolm Marks, Tyke Furlong, Tyke Burns, two Tigs, Sam Whitelock makes it. Uh, Pablo Matera of Argentina, Josh van der Fleer, Gregory Aldred at eight. Uh, the French were very upset that he didn't get shortlisted. Dupont at nine, Sexton at ten. Uh, Marika Coral Betty from Australia, if I got the pronunciation right. Uh, Damien de Elende uh, from South Africa, Lucania Am, Will Jordan, and um, Stewart uh, at fullback for England.
0: Uh, so that, is that the most we've ever had? Yeah, that's that's pretty I mean that's not to take forward in the in the World Player team of the year. Like I saw a lot of people and this is the same with the PFA team of the year or with the All Stars, you're always looking at, at who's been left out and, and Ebenetzabeth for South Africa's been left out, Savia for the All Blacks left out. So probably a couple of players that could have been put in, but we're not complaining with our four. And um really, really nice to hear Josh Van der Fleer talking afterwards about the fact that you know, when he was a kid he used to keep track of all the, the world rugby players of the year in the top three and, and kinda learn them off by heart. And here he is. The third Irishman to win that award, after after Keith Wood, as he saying Jonathan Sexton. I mean, this is this is unbelievable. Uh, I don't know don't, don't to be expected. He had an unbelievable year under Fleer, but I, I hadn't heard any word that he was a prime position for this award.
2: Oh, I think it had been uh, it had been the chatter since the All Blacks. Really, it's like yeah. oh, he's in the running here. You know, uh, he's been showing up in all the big games, and of course, it's, it's actually only the internationals that count for this. Um, Fair, yeah, yeah, yeah. So after the Six Nations, he'd, he'd been, you know, one of our best players in that. But DuPont had actually been player of the tournament. And I, I, it's pretty harsh. And DuPont's the best player in the world. Um, but fair play. Van Fleer totally deserved. Big win for Irish rugby there in the green. What's next? Yeah, we'll take them. And uh, next in the
0: green, uh, a very, very good weekend for Irish golf. So no no winners, which uh, seems strange, but uh, we'll start with Leona Maguire. So uh, she was at the CME Group Tour Championship in Florida. She f- ended up finishing runner-up to uh, to Lydia Ko. It was a $2 million uh, prize for the winner, but not a bad weekend for Leona because she uh, collects $550,000 for her second-place finish. Sensational line under 63 on Saturday. She had started the third round, uh, I think it was seven, seven shots behind uh, Lydia Ko, and a really unbelievable performance on Saturday it brought her right back in contention. She uh, drew level with, with Lydia Ko after the third round um, and, you know, she had said afterwards, if, you, if you'd offered her second at the start of the week, she would have taken your hand off. Uh, really tricky conditions as well yesterday in the final round. So to finish second, to pick up over half a million dollars for her weekend's work. Uh, not bad at all for Leona Maguire. Seamus Power as well. Huge step again towards Ryder Cup selection. And, and every week, he's kind of proven week on week that, that he really should be in this Ryder Cup uh, team. So came up just short in his bid to win uh, for the second time in three starts. But he tied for 5th in the RSM Classic. This was at Sea Island. So went into the final round tied for 13th. So kind of opposite to to Maguire. He was 3 shots behind the leaders. uh, But a really, really good uh, final round. 466. The winner was Adam Svensson, the Canadian. He carded 664 to win. um, But Power still wins $277,000. And uh, will be top of the FedEx Cup standings when this uh, tour arrives in Kapalua in uh, January. That'll be his next big one, the uh, Century Tournament of Champions. Um, So, I mean... First, third, and fifth in his last three starts, Seamus Power, uh, and uh, look more Ryder Cup qualifying points. So that's the that's the big one. And he even spoke afterwards, but being disappointed with his performance in some in some regards. So he should be a shoe in for this Ryder Cup team, and it will be great to see him. And then Rory McIlroy, uh, so finishing the year as European number one for the fourth time in his career, first time though since 2015. John Rahm was the was the winner, and John Rahm was unbelievable at the weekend. He won the DP World Tour Championship in Dubai by two shots over Terrell Hatton and Alex Norrin. Um, McIlroy was back in fourth finishes top of these DP World Rankings uh, so Matt Fitzpatrick uh, blew up around the turn so Matt Fitzpatrick of course the US Open back in June he needed to win and for McElroy to not finish runner up or to finish second and McIlroy to be outside the top seven but uh, he capitulated a little, little bit on the back nine Matt Fitzpatrick uh, to allow Rory McIlroy to finish number one for the fourth time in his career, he was very consistent um, and look I guess the next question for Rory is when can he break this eight year major drought but the way he's playing Jeremy I mean you have to feel like it's, it's right around the corner now there's no guarantees in a major you're, like, you're never guaranteed to win a major but the way Rory is playing surely it's in the next year
2: well uh, yeah you kind of feel like it's um, it's, uh, it's bubbling up and definitely his best chance is coming in the next six months so uh, right they are your this week's Gillette Labs performance rankings. if you've got a view on them you can get it into us Oh eight seven nine one eighty one eighty. that's the WhatsApp number OTBAS performance rankings with Gillette. Right, five minutes past eight, Alan Quinlan is with us. Um, Alan, the news has come that uh, Nick Weitzman stood down for 12 days, which is what happens when they see you stumbling on the pitch. They're like, oh, you you shouldn't be playing rugby. Um, But what actually happened was that uh, his stumble seems to have been missed by the relevant people and he was allowed back onto the field. And afterwards, he was like, I was fine, I passed my HIA. Um, so rather than getting into like the whole uh, back and forth about um, the rights and wrongs of this, you immediately said in commentary you, you thought that was the end of his game and then when he came back on that you were very uncomfortable about it. So I think I know how you feel about it. What should happen? What are the lessons that need to be learned to prevent this from happening again?
4: It's, that's something that um, needs to be really tidied up in this situation because... It's not as if we don't have cam- proper camera angles. We don't have enough of people there. I think the independent match doctor has come out and said he's looking at the first incident in the replay. Um, I'm on commentary and I can see that Nick White gets a heavy fall and hits his head off the ground when he's trying to tackle Mac Hansen into touch. He's kind of crunched down, um, looks dazed, wouldn't be usually concerned with that one. He looked dazed, and I had no issue with him playing. and I wouldn't be saying he's got to get off the field there. Um, there was no wobbles there on that one, but he looked dazed. Um, I think from the line out, then he obviously it's tapped off, the, it's taken off the top, and he's trying to hit. He's back up the mid, middle, middle of the field to get a creative breakdown for the kicking option, and um, has to take it on himself, and he gets tackled and hits Josh Vanderfleer's knee. I think pretty much straight away I can see that he's in a bit of trouble he's in a spot of bother the replay comes up and within probably 20-30 seconds I can see that obviously after the ball is cleared and stuff like that we can see that he doesn't look good so I think that the independent match doctor has come out now and said that um, he was watching the first incident well I've seen the first incident and it's done in my head at this stage. So I don't know why he's back re-watching it and re-watching it. I know know the analysis there. So what can we learn from it? That needs to speed up. I know the independent match doctor is a doctor. He's not a commentator. He's not a rugby person in a sense. Does he need more support and backup? Once the referee
2: says, I saw him stumbling, that's surely that. Sure. What are the
4: Australian doctors doing? Forget about the independent match doctor here for a minute. What are they doing to protect their player? Nothing. They're letting it happen. Their doctors went onto the field, and their medical people went on, and they tried to keep David Parecki on the field. He's stumbling around the place. He's played and hit two or three rocks after he gets his initial knock. He's trying to stay on the field. Actually, the game was stopped because Ben White was ben, um, or Ben O'Keefe was trying to, you know, restart the game. So. Like, that was, for me, was like, why is this player being kept on the field here? And eventually he, he leaves the field, David Parecki, the starting hooker. And he's obviously ha- got a heavy knock. but Why aren't they watching what, what, what's going on here with... Okay, they don't have the replay of the screen, so I'll give them the benefit of the doubt there. But when they go in there and the doctor is with and the medical people are with um, Nick White and he's crunched down and he fall, nearly falls backward, he stands up. And he, st- he stumbles. For me...
2: There's an opportunity there for, for the Australian medical team to step in and say, he's actually stumbled. He's gone. Or, so we're not sending him for HIA. He
4: has to go then. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. There's no HIA. And the match doctor, the independent match doctor that we're talking about who's watching the first replay doesn't even come into the picture. We call it ourselves. And I would like team doctors to be able to... Oh, the independent match doctor is there because we had some stuff and I think would uh, George North, uh, a few number of years ago, played a few games, club games and internationals. And he, he unfortunately, he got a number of kind of bangs and knocks. There was one particular one um, where he played on for Northampton against Leicester. He was clearly knocked out and it was missed. And he gets up and stumbles and he ends up being on the field for a period of time. Um, this, this can't be allowed to happen at the top level because it trickles right down through the game. Um, the magic sponge scenario with a group of kids on a Sunday morning or junior rugby players in, yeah, it, uh, playing it, it, like you, you'd actually think seconds, it, thirds, fourths, fifths, yeah. whatever, you know, they've got to come off the field. And the problem we have here is second impact syndrome. So he's got, um, and this happened the young kid in Belfast, uh, Benjamin Robinson a number of years ago. his da- mom mum and dad have been very vocal about speaking out about what happened to Benjamin and it should never happen. And, you know, Nick White, I thought, very strategically has rolled out for media. Like, even even doing that is a sign that they knew they'd messed up and they put him out there to say, oh no, I was fine, I was fine, I was fine. I never played against Nick White. I never actually met the guy. Um, I'm a big fan of his. as a player. He's a brilliant player. He has that bit of niggle that you want and he's confrontation. He's a great player and he's been brilliant for them even in, in the tough times. But... And he's hardy. He's tough, but he's he's. It has to be taken out of the players' hands, and we cannot keep going on about this time after time after time. It keeps happening. And for me, Ger, this is the biggest story of the game, and it happened in the Argentinian Scotland game as well. Juan uh Cruz Malia, the Argentinian fullback, he got um, obviously concussed in right at the end of that game against Scotland, and was left on the field as well. It cannot happen, and people can criticize world rugby um, and a lot of concerns about this stuff in the game, but world rugby have tried to implement the low tackle focus, the zero tolerance around any head collisions um, and they 've stuck to their guns and i and I think they were dead right, and i 've always been an advocate of speaking about that, where they 're not shifting they 're not moving you know, these rugby collision comments that we hear, oh, that's just a rugby collision, that's just a rugby collision. We obviously have to change the behaviours of the players about lower tackle focus. And there was one on Saturday as well with Valentini and um, Dan Sheehan carrying the ball in that first half. Valentini got injured, he hurt his ankle going back, but there was a face-on-face, face. it was like as if their their chins met. Yeah. Do you, uh, you know, the only reason that that wasn't upgraded to... A card situations because Valentini doesn't come forward at that last moment, he doesn't move forward with, with, with impact and I think that's what saves him but his tackle technique is not good there, he's got to get a bit lower and some of these are accidental and some of them you can say sometimes when there's a head on head that it's uh, look at the New Zealand one, Angus Tavo and on, on the second test against Gary Ringrose, he, he's not trying to headbutt or um, use his head to hurt Gary Ringrose, but he's upright there's a serious head collision there and you know there was a lot of talk in New Zealand that was just a rugby collision just a rugby collision so world rugby can't be faulted for trying to push and implement this and the referees implementing this the one thing I'd say is the HIA obviously doesn't work you know it, it's the HIA doesn't yeah you know so, so- the, the thing here, Jerry, and we don't know, and well, and
2: what they did, what they didn't. So you sent me the link to a story about Tua a Viola, the Miami Dolphins um, quarterback last night, and what happened was they they looked at how horrific the situation was, where he got concussed one week and then sparked out the next week when everybody. Everybody knew he shouldn't have been playing that second week, right? Um, they just changed the rules after that. They they had a meeting with the players' association. And said this isn't really working. This is very bad for us. Very How could it you.
4: happen in the NFL after everything that's gone on, gone on with all the lawsuits and the because, situations? Because in it, the modern, like you think this is twenty years ago. This stuff. This is. I'll tell you why it happened. Right, twenty two. they were watching Nick White in this situation.
2: If it happens the same way <coughs> Nick White can pass the HIA. The the the, okay. the tools aren't. Perfect. the tools are actually in, very imperfect and so when the it, if tools are imperfect what you do is you err inside of caution well, this is it and you give them perfect. 12 days so, so you just you, like,
4: like Nick so White so is actually yeah. quite so for any listeners do you want to clarify what, what's happened now with
2: so he's going to start a 12 day stand down period so uh, when, when they assess you they assess you a different criteria and he was criteria uh, two which is uh, balance disturbance right he's been upgraded um, to a criteria one which um so he's been upgraded from criteria two to criteria one because of the balance disturbance basically once you start falling over the balance
4: disturbance that uh, 99.9% of people saw yeah. and the independent match that no. doctor didn't exactly or the Australian doctors well, or the Australian coaches who
2: was right there with him actually when he, when he stumbled you know because he, he's not on his own when he's stumbling he's actually as far as I remember anyway so look they, they should have the Australians should have self-diagnosed and, and stood him down and then there should be better... So I listened to a thing again. The NFL had this thing where the the co-coms actually get the director's feed. So you watch the the real play and then you're seeing all of the replays happen immediately on multiple screens. There's no reason why, with all the money in rugby, that that couldn't just be piped into the independent doctor. And there's also no reason why the independent doctor couldn't have a spotter. As far as I know, there there were supposed to be spotters watching rugby matches to see if anybody... Because it's too busy. You know, there are literally uh, potentially 30 collisions happening... Uh, at any one time fifty collisions happening at any one time on a match uh, in a match that, in every single moment of that match you multiply that out with millions and millions so you need more than one this,
4: person this, this, this defence that he's watching the first incident I, I, I'm saying to you and, and I can be challenged on this the first incident for me is his days I can see that but I can see his body language is well it's kind of like down getting a breed or getting winded, Chain, or something like that. You're up, you stand up, yeah.
2: Presumably they're also listening to the referee's feed, which says, I saw him stumble. And that's the end no, of the No, but everything. I'm saying
4: the first one on Mack Hansen. Then he gets up, the line out is kind of set. There's a bit of a break. He, he looks a bit kind of winded, shall we say, whatever. The line takes place. And all that happens very, very quickly that the immediate picture of him crunched down with the medical person and stumbling backwards and then standing and stumbling and the referee saying it surely Ben O'Keefe even is, is, needs to come into this situation here where maybe not Ben O'Keefe but maybe he's assistant referees or fourth official that hold on a minute why is Nick White going back out it's difficult for them because they're being told he, I've, he's passed the HI he's yeah, been yeah but cleared. I saw him
2: stumble you know I saw, I saw him stumble because he you says know, it.
4: Because I think Ben O'Keefe is the probably one who has to come on and say, "Right, Nick White's come back and the field. Hold it here. I'm not going over to the sideline. I'm yeah. double, triple checking yeah. this here as to what I saw." And he has the power to say, no, this... Yeah.
2: And, that, and, you know, and like and everybody in the world is going to go, OK, you're erring on the side of... of... Now, spool it forward, a World Cup semi-final, it's, uh, it's Johnny Sexton... Well, I, don't care, Ger- I don't care, Do you know, like, I don't care, and I'll
4: stand over this. I, think, um, I don't care if Ireland are playing the World Cup final and it's in the balance and there's 10 minutes to go and the right we're putting to the massive right. pressure on yeah. somebody and we're going to get a penalty or something that Johnny Sexton could potentially kick to win your World Cup final. He's off. And that's, I won't change my stance on that. And, you know, it's easy, go over the top here and start, I'm not calling out everyone here and this, but I'm saying this needs, we need to make sure that this doesn't keep, keep happening.
2: Because it keeps happening. It, well, the
4: Jeremy Lockman thing should have been, the, like, the thing, when things
0: like that keep happening and there's no learnings from it whatsoever. It's like, in another year or two time if this happens we'll, be like, we'll remember the Nick but Ireland
4: pricing. came out Shane and apologised and, and you know it can be missed but it shouldn't be missed okay yeah. that's what we're saying because Ireland are not um, getting away scot-free with that but they held their hands up and said it shouldn't have happened and he, and they took him off afterwards you know when they realised the situation and you know look when you're adrenaline coaches in coaches in the, in the box and stuff like that so the Australians are the same you know tight game they're watching stuff they're getting messages down this can be a bit of a sideshow at some stage mm-hmm. sometimes it needs to be kind of tidied up now once and for all and you know Nick White coming out after saying I'm fine i pass big yeah. fellas run well, it's a lot of it's a lot of rubbish yeah. because, he was, because like, say, he was told he was told say that I, I, my opinion is he's told roll him out in the media and take the pressure off us they know they messed up here it can't happen. One last thing, right? Uh, the Players Association. What are they doing in all this? At least in the NFL, right?
2: Which and they're like one of the most compromised players' associations in the world because they're taking the money from the NFL. Uh, at least they went and said this isn't good enough you need to change the rules I've heard nothing ever from yeah, well, the players associations about yeah. concussion I've never heard them come out and say oh we really need to, we, we're going to do something we're going to go on strike we're going we're to do anything to raise attention
4: to this yeah and if you look uh, if you look at the reaction um, they have to and I think this week it has to happen the World Rugby Awards won last night and um, incredibly positive from an Irish point of view as well so there was a you know yesterday and you're digesting this so I think there needs to be a bit of clarity in this but I want to hear from the Australians you know they're going to Cardiff this week and they have a number of injuries themselves and and fairness they were very very unlucky with all the injuries they got just one of those days and Saturday for them could easily have won the match but they need to address this you know yeah. I think yeah. um, talking about the match doctor and the independent doctor saying he was watching the first clip of that they gotta call it themselves. Yeah, and okay. I know um going forward, this isn't this none of this is perfect, Jer. The HIA isn't perfect. But it's a much more proactive, better approach than we had ten, fifteen years ago.
2: Yeah, it still needs to be changed, it, I think. Like if Nick yeah, White's passed the HIA. In very simple you know.
4: terms and just before we finish on it, if you show signs that Nick White showed on Saturday, I.e. balance and issues like that. You're gone. The game over, and yeah. that's it. Okay. Um, the game itself, right? Uh,
2: so it's we, Josh Fleer, uh, World Player of the Year. It's a phenomenal achievement from him, and um, we got Team of the Year, second coach, and four players in the team. It's it, and really sensational. Uh, is there any chance we pick too soon? <laughs> no, <laughs> cause I think,
4: uh, no. I think I think um, Fiji and Australia are great for us in a sense that because they were so bad Yeah, and even if we lost on Saturday I think I heard Andy Farrell say that maybe a bit of negativity around the team and maybe you know wouldn't do any harm I think we got we're getting that little bit of a different approach to 2018 because of last week and this week and Oh, this iron team isn't as good as it, it, it we think, and I don't think we are maybe you're never as good as you think you are, you're never as bad as no, you think you the are as well in the middle right, yeah, it's somewhere in the middle, and Ooh. I think they know that, and I like his, i like Andy Farrell's honesty, I think the players know that, I think they need to be better, Australia met us you know the word dogfight was used a lot um it's very true, and you know look i i don't know what what people think um at home but I don't think anyone is is getting to that position I think even in 2018-19 you know you. Pro- I think it was you asked me could Ireland win a World Cup with what happened and the honest answer was well if they keep playing like this they're in with a shout and they could and then it unravelled obviously. my fault is that what you're saying it's all your <laughs> fault Sherry, yeah well <laughs> You and, uh, yeah, you always give out about Wales and they do brilliantly, don't they? Oh, uh, yeah, you know. They've, <laughs> they've, they've, they've got, got, they've got, got the right way around. Yeah, yeah. We'll
2: talk about Georgia in a moment, don't worry. Um, in in all honesty, though, right, the, the performance wasn't great and uh, at the same time, it didn't feel like we were going to lose the game at any stage, really. Um, so maybe at the end when they kick to the corner, there's a the chance to I us. think
4: the, the stuff you can take out of that as a player is and coaches is, I think you know obviously when your attack isn't flowing and you're turning the ball over a bit Ireland had 13 turnovers 27 missed tackles that's too high there's lots of stuff in that game that they'll look at and they think they need they need to be better but i think there was a period there in the first half for australia had them under a lot of pressure and it went to 23 phases i think and ireland looked like you know they came up with a big turnover in the end of it they looked hungry. They looked like...
2: So the defence... The, the I think is excellent. fundamentally,
4: if for any, in any sport, you want to be hard to beat, don't you, first of all? Yeah. And you want to be kind of cohesive in, your, in the way you defend against the opposition. And I think if you do that, then, well, you can start adding a little bit to your game as you go along. If you're a brilliant attacking team and you can't defend, well it's great viewing for everybody because you're going to have high-scoring games, but you're rolling the dice every time you play. So I think they've become very robust and strong and they have a good standard where they tackle, reload, the numbers they send to the breakdowns, um, the way they spread out a little bit. Now, you can say all that defence was good, but I think Ireland's defence for the Pattaya try, where it comes back to 10-all and and Australia score, and then it's that nervy end. That wasn't... That was a little bit possibly switching off. Quite narrow. Okay. Craig Casey is literally out uh, your last man with Jimmy O'Brien. And they're in no man's land, not through their own fault, through the narrow player narrowness and, and the inside. So, again, tight match. One one score like that can cost you a situation. So, even though the defence at times, and you can take a lot out of that, the work rate, they know what they're doing. They're very well connected. Um the turnovers were were weren't as good you know i think we our breakdown hasn't been as good um particularly in the, the game 2 and 3 australia maybe the south african game did take you know we got that incredible high right at the start um so yeah there's plenty to work on from and i look have we peaked too soon <laughs> no because we haven't got that we haven't got that brilliant, but the year itself has been brilliant. You know, Wales are coming in, in, in the first Six Nations game to Dublin. There I say is, you know, that's, you've got to keep that little bit of steel about you. So when you, when the opposition analyse you and when they play against you, you they know it's going to be really difficult. Yeah. And I think for Ireland in 2019, the game plan was pretty direct, a lot of kicking and stuff like that. And there was a lot of, um, you know, if you slow Ireland down and you make the breakdown a mess and it's a little bit like the Leinster, st- Leinster situation, well then, you, you nullify him a bit. So Ireland have got to kind of develop and figure out that when they're slowed down, how do they actually go back and implement a really punishing kicking strategy? You know what I mean?
0: As the fact that Sexton was injured again uh, even highlighted, I saw the argument funnily made online that oh, it would have been more beneficial for Jack Crowley to, to have been on the pitch kicking that kick that Ross Byrne took. But does it does it nearly highlight more the need, whatever the order is, whether it's Carberry and then Crowley and then Byrne after Sexton, to, to play those players in the Six Nations and to give them actual experience in big games that mean something. Because, you know, if that happens to Sexton in the World Cup in a big game, these lads need experience in big games themselves. Yeah, well,
4: that's what I was saying last week with, with the Fiji game, that Joey Carberry starts there and he starts against Australia as yeah. well. It didn't happen. And now we have... It's taken away that opportunity for him to do that. So it's it's um I think what happened Jack Crowley in the last two weeks will um, and even the last number of weeks, been emerging Ireland, being in the Irish squad will hugely benefit him. Um Ross Bourne with the kick, what well, that will do for his confidence, uh, probably feeling a little bit down and disappointed that he wasn't there involved and kinda challenging in the first place at the start of the campaign. Um do you start him in the six nations? Yeah, well, you have to look at it. You have to look at these situations. And I think um, there's still that difference between what Johnny said. And it's his presence as well. And his real determination. And he is gives
2: the presence anything to do an with the knock-ons, uh, his absence, anything to do with the knock-ons and
4: like, level of intensity and focus? Well, you know what, Jerry, if, they, if, they, if, if that is a possibility, you know, when, when I played for Munster and Paul o'connell's not in the team, like it was Miko plays <laughs> Miko Driscoll, who's a brilliant player yeah. international, and he knows it himself, Miko and Dunica Ryan, they play in the second round, but it's just it's not his general play, it's just the the build up what he's saying before the game, dealing with the referee, lifting the crowd. You can start adding layers there that kind of just and shouldn't be like that because. So maybe that's an intrigue that Andy Farrell now has to figure out that if Johnny's not out there, who's driving, who's speaking, who's vocal, who's driving that, that kind of little spark that you need. And look, you can't just create these type of guys and characters. They're unique sometimes. And Roger's the same for Munster. You know, if he wasn't in our back line, like he was always barking about what we do and the standard and, you know, they're 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 he's that type of guy, and he's a leader, and he's a captain. So and you can see it, like it, yeah, you know,
2: I, I'm not saying that it was the reason why uh, normally steady under the high ball back three or scrum half suddenly you are catching the ball on their chest and it's bouncing forward, and you're like, but at you see the same they're, time, what
4: they're dealing with is a bit of they're dealing with that expectation pressure now, and it can be challenging like for them, some yeah. of them. Yeah, so they're kind of yeah. And you go back 18 months ago, like I saw lots of articles about how brilliant Ireland atta- Ireland's attack was in the last summer tour of Six Nations. Previous year, it was rubbish, so things can change very quickly. Yeah, okay. I think they need to add um, a little bit more of a layer to actually going back to being a bit more pragmatic. Sometimes we're, we're trying to play a little bit too much. So we've got to be ready for the situation of, and Ireland do, I should say, of teams do slowing them down, being incredibly physical, but Australia's discipline was really poor. you have four neck rolls in. So both sides give away twelve penalties, and Australia had four neck rolls in that first in in that game. In That's all Australia start.
0: talked about in the pre-match press conference. Like the, Rennie was talking about that discipline, discipline, discipline. And he, ironically, he, Shane, it was the
4: thing that just went. Four neck rolls is is incredible. Yeah, like that. That is it's killing them. Ireland give away twelve penalties. they they're. they're breakdown stuff they're being offside jumping the gun a little bit these things that are marginal ones that you of course you look back and you say you need to be better but four neck rolls in the, in the game like that is is, and Fahinga comes on and he's the sub hooker and he gets he gets Sinbin for it you know it's baffling to say the least um, we
2: should talk about Scotland who uh, started this window with their best player not in the squad and finish it with him back in the squad and starring against Argentina are supposed to be one of the like coming forces in world rugby, and they put 50 points on them. They um, they put a really good performance in against New Zealand the previous week. They beat Fiji, no, not straightforward, but they beat them well in the end. Uh, I think they did score the four tries, and uh, they only lost by a point to Australia.
4: Um, and, we're, our, and we're getting out of the group, they're in our group, you either know, either playing France or, or, or haven't or, even
2: talked about Scotland or the or, possibility, like or New
4: Zealand. Um,
2: they're actually I think Saturday better.
4: was crazy because of of the red card the two yellows At one stage they're playing against 12 men and Buffelli actually scores 12 men against 15 they score a try um but Scotland yeah, are a very dangerous side and I I think at times you wonder have they that kind of um Next step in them to, to be really consistent and, and get results and get across the line. I think they're always going to be aggressive and competitive when you play against them, and they've some really good players, but
2: and they're listening to all of us say Finn, it's between us and South Well Africa. well
4: not me, not me. I've, said, I've mentioned this many times, and if there's any Scottish people listening, you can go back and find it. Scotland are going to have a big say in what happens in this group. Mm. You know, Scotland could beat Ireland or beat South Africa. They're, they're that kind of a team that if they get it right on the day and they cut out their mistakes and they execute, um, they could yeah. really upset the group. So I think both Scotland and both South Africa and Ireland would be very, very mindful of that and they, they wouldn't be underestimating them and they'll have a say in it. You know, they had a really disappoint. Ireland had a bad 19 World Cup, but Scotland had a, a really poor one as well. Ireland walloped him in that first game. There was so much pressure on Gregor Townsend. Talks about you know him stepping down, all that kind of stuff. He's still there and he's fought his way through that. And they've had some big results in the last number of years. Finn
2: Russell thing is amazing. Like yeah. can you imagine if, uh like <laughs> whatever about our fascination with tens? Uh, I can only begin to imagine what it's like in Scotland at the moment, where like you have this mercurial genius who can't get in the team, is out of the squad. There's like the drinking stuff, and then there's like, no, we're all friends again. And then he's not not in the team, and then he's back in the team, and all of a sudden the team looks great again. Like,
4: yeah, look, the 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 thing with Finn Russell is he's an incredibly talented, um, off the cuff type of player, and he can give you that that tempo and 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 bounce you like if you need if you're if you're a bit flat in your performances, and um, but he's dependent on a lot of front football. You know what I mean. Your forwards doing well, um, breakdown being good and stuff like that. And when when he gets that time and space, he can he can create stuff. He's so ambitious, and that's all he thinks about. He doesn't think about kicking and you know slowing the game down. He wants to play that way, and I, he's openly said he's not going to change. Yeah. Um, sometimes you have to and be a little bit more boring or direct in your approach. But um, if like they can get him right, yeah, if they can get Finn Russell right, he can it can be a big plus for them. But that relationship between Gregor Townsend and, and Finn Russell is one that, you know, Kinghorn, is he a 10? I don't think so. Um, Adam Hastings was injured. We talk about our depth at the fly half position and and where that's at. It's nearly a situation for, for most teams, yeah. most international teams.
2: Uh, we should talk about England, right? Who come back from the dead at home and uh, it looks like they're going to get absolutely annihilated but scored three tries in the last eight minutes to draw the game. Minor controversy in England about Marcus Smith kicking the ball dead uh, when they get one final opportunity to go and try and win it, but notwithstanding that, right? Um, what what are we to take from what England are doing at the moment with stuff like this? Like, are they really good or are they really bad?
4: Somewhere in between, um, I think he's Eddie Jones has kind of chopped and changed so much in the last two years that it probably I don't know if it's helped. He may he what he's trying to do would probably argue if they go to a World Cup or have a good six nations in World Cup, he will say, Well it was this was my plan all along, to be ready for this. Um It could have been really bad at at one point on Saturday. New Zealand were, were looking like they were gonna run away with this yeah. and England were struggling. I think they're stifled in the way they play. And Eddie Jones is criticised and I, I like him <laughs> in a way that that quirkiness, that madness, that kind of um attitude that he doesn't really care at times what he says or where he goes. Um Part of me really likes that in him. And he's an entertainer, but he's a good coach as well. And he's had success, a lot of success over the years. Um But I think he's it could have been really bad. I think if they took a walloping here from the New Zealand, it would have. It would, the pressure would have ramped up again. Um They can take a fair bit out of it to say, here's the template of what we can do when we play. So you play out of desperation. And again, in any sport, if you're five or six goals down a soccer match or a big score in GA, you're going to yeah. try and get something out of this in the end. And rugby is a prime example of that, the way it can swing. And they threw caution to the wind and they started playing with pace, tempo, offloads, running hard, and the quite you ask the question, and English people, and I and and I see some of this stuff online as well. Why didn't we play like that from the start? You know, why didn't why don't we go like that from the start? Um, so I think they've been very pragmatic in their in their game plans and trying to physically dominate teams. And they're not the same team that beat New Zealand at that 2019 World Cup semi-final. Yeah, one of the great performances against a really good New Zealand side. So where are they at? They're somewhere in the middle, I think they can still be a real force if he gets his selections right and, um, and if they play with a bit more ambition.
2: Um, will Wayne Pivac survive this window? Like, it's very late to be firing somebody. Wales would have a track record of being happy to fire you very close to a World Cup. And, uh, I mean, he looked like he'd made a recovery last year, but you get beaten home by Georgia and suddenly everybody's like, what's going on
4: here? Seven Nations. We need the seven nations. Yeah, I just thought that... If, I actually thought on on, uh, on Saturday, if that happened to Ireland, what would the reaction be like? You know, if Georgia, and we've played Georgia a good few times over yeah. the years here, and they give Ireland... They've nearly beaten
2: us. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
4: but they gave Ireland, a, a, you know, a decent enough rattle two years ago. Um, was it last November? I can't remember anyway. It was... It was... Um, is it too late? Yeah, I don't know, Gerard. And I think... Who would you get at this stage? Um, well, what will it do? Ask to,
2: Scott Robertson to take the gig, but he can have the England job after the World Cup. No problems.
4: You've it all worked get, out. Get,
2: get some good experience <laughs> have here. To put Scotty. you on
4: the board of Welsh Rugby. Um, I don't know. Um, you know, like, I think the problem for Wales is when they make a number of changes like they did, there's there's depth issues, and there's um, I think they're trying to get their regions much stronger and more players coming through. I think they have a lot of good, exciting young potential there. But when you go down the depth chart and we're in a similar situation. If we were missing a number of players and we probably showed glimpses of 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 it last week, even though we got the job done, I think but that's an horrendous result for Rails. Um it's an incredible result for Georgia. And you don't want to be disrespectful saying that what well, I just said that I think they're improving and they're always a force if if you if you're if you're not physically ready for Georgia they can really um frustrate you and mess you up. And they've never beaten us but probably should have beaten us in the two thousand and seven World Cup. Oh yeah. Bar Dennis Leamy in the seventy eight minute. He holds one of the Georgian players up where they're they're over the line um and thinking they're scoring a try. So um, it's a tough situation for them at the moment we, and we beat
2: them 23-10 so in 2020 November 2020, 2020 yeah
4: it's it was to be in, Italy
0: two in the summer as well like, like yeah. they're making more and more arguments for inclusion in the Six Nations yeah. like Wales 12-3 up as well they kind of just I don't know if complacency is the thing when you're 12-3 up against a team like Georgia but like they just gave up Georgia obviously had the motivation to come back but they have some serious big incredible players. fight
4: um, a lot of their players now even a lot of their backs are playing in the in the French yeah uh, um not in the top 14 but in a couple of the divisions below they're all playing so i think that's going to improve their structures and the, the the quality games that their players are getting so um it's great to see in a sense that you know you'd love to see Romania and Portugal are going to a world cup now again um they won they drew with the usa and uh, knocked them out of the, the last spot available so we do want to see the game you know these teams developing but that's not good for Welsh Rugby and I think in the last couple of months obviously with Italy beating him as well in the Six Nations Do
2: you think he'll survive?
4: Pressure um, I don't know I don't know I think it's the half of people are calling for his head I think he's and and you know Stephen Jones is in there someone I played against know really very well I think it, the problem is the depth, the amount of players they have. And so the quality. no one's going to
2: come in and fix it?
4: I don't think someone okay. can come in with a magic wand now and fix them. I think they need to fix it themselves, get their best players out on the field. But again, Wales are a team that can get it right on the big big occasions. So if some of the injured players clear up, like we wouldn't fancy seeing them in a knockout stage. I can... Uh, I can.
2: Say that without fear of contradiction. Alan good stuff thanks a million. Thanks, Now, to celebrate the Black Friday sale at Harvey Norman, we're giving away a 100 euro Harvey Norman shopping vouchers every day this week on Twitter, with the grand prize winner also coming away with a Canon EOS M50 MK2 camera and a selfie QX10 photo printer. To be on the chance to win, tell us again who this superstar Portuguese footballer is, explaining why he really, really wants to come on the show. Because I think it's the time to say something.
0: Um, and because I like you, <laughs> <laughs> as simple as that.
2: Are- right, um, you have to tell us who your guess is on our main Twitter page. Add off the ball, and please make sure your DMs are open. That's how we contact you. Harvey Norman is the only place to shop for the best Friday—sorry, the best Black Friday deals on appliances, technology, furniture, and bedding. We're back after this with Kaha Milani in studio to run through the weekend's club GA action. First, here's an emotional David Brady speaking to our own Ashley O'Reilly in the aftermath of his with both sides very tight defeat to the Downs in the Leinster football semi-final at Croker. Take a look.
3: Tough way to lose in the end, um, but what's your feeling on the game?
5: I look, at it, it, sure, it's hard losing at any time, but you know what? Um, I'd expect nothing less from the players. When they were rock bottom and five points down and it was done and gone, I just went, I don't doubt you. And they came back and they showed heart, effort, determination everything I've seen everything I've seen since the 21st of January um, and it'll is, it is, it make you proud but it, the words are hard because you're trying to tell the guys how much that will bring them on in life and in football and experience and next year is their next opportunity to go back and learn from those um, experiences that we've had and I said to them it's, it's been an absolute pleasure pleasure to be take your time
4: there's no rush take your time it's tough it's not easy to be here in crow park and
5: but it is easy but it's hard when you see the disappointment in them. it's hard when you see the disappointment in young guys faces that didn't even kick a ball didn't even get to play and it's 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 i i'd love to tell them i'd love to tell them boys you would look back on this and go on, we needed that. That was one of the greatest things that ever happened to us. That lesson and that journey and everything else. Um, and for me, I, I kind of said, I thank them. Because it just put heart back in club for me. And that's so important. Because if you don't have a heart, you don't have a club, you don't have a community, you don't have... And you know what? Even today, and there was buses. And I don't know how many, hundreds and hundreds of kids came from that Dot. They're probably going home now and going, they don't really know who won or lost. Just knew they had probably won the greatest years of their life yeah. since they got up this morning. And we brought a few kids from uh, on our team bus this morning. <laughs> they nearly sh- the shot themselves <laughs> when, the, when the, uh, we got, had to get the blue light escort in the middle of traffic. But they are the important things. Yes, we look back and we review it. but... It's great, it was one of the greatest honours I ever had and um, it, was, it, was, it was brilliant, it was brilliant. And we stick together and that's, that's the important thing, so it is. Uh, there you go, it's
2: uh, David Brady in conversation with Ashing O'Reilly. Um, he's a, a one-man hype machine for the split season, it turns out, um, uh, really justifying the extra attention that the club season's getting. Carl, how are you? I'm very well, lads, how are you? Um, they it's were very close. Class. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was a good game uh, by all accounts. I actually didn't see that one, but it was on television, and um, lost my point in the end, I think. But he's had a great year. Isn't it? Like I think we spoke about it one of the weeks previously as well. as he a future Mayo manager in waiting? Mm. He uh, certainly made a good dent with Rathaul this year. Um, but he is like uh, I think again. You know the split season. I think once the dust has settled and we get into the intercounty season again next year, I think by and large the split season has been very successful. And I think a lot of the players, and even reading some of the papers again this morning, that some of the players have, have said the same. Particularly the inter-county players, that they're delighted to get a proper run with their clubs. Um, maybe there's areas that need to be refined, but
2: by yeah, argument, you can fix the timings. Successful. I think yeah. yeah. So we'll we'll see because there's definitely a lot of negativity still towards it from people who have um, a lot to say, and we'll see we'll see uh, when the dust settles when our first full year of it is taking into account what the pros and cons were and so far it seems like the pros are uh, there's definitely long periods of the year where we could be doing with something good happening and anyway look we're getting into championship fixtures there so uh, the hurling game at the weekend um, I saw Shane Stapleton speculate that it's one of the greatest club hurling matches ever yeah Um, with like frequently matches like this everybody talks about them for weeks and weeks and weeks and then they disappoint something happens there's an early red card or something that's but not, not in this instance no this was I
1: think an inter-county level match uh, you know Ballygunner were under the cosh for a long time and they managed to get it done um, but the two teams I mean so well conditioned you know very very hard hitting match very very physical and obviously the skill levels were brilliant as well I think you know would have beaten a lot of inter-county teams at the yeah. weekend either of those teams and uh, you know Ballygunner underlining just how strong they are and they play Bally A we've got Tony Kelly of course in the final so I mean the Monster Club Hurling Championship is, is a really difficult one to get out of but Ballygunner I think you know probably still favours to retain the All-Ireland title uh, I think maybe by a distance uh, from what we've seen so far um, the Galway final went to a re- is going to a replay as well and Bally Hale obviously will have a thing or two to say about it you would think too down the line but um, I think Bally Gunner's
2: still out in front and uh, what else happened over the course of the weekend
1: well do you know what I was on the way back yesterday in the car and I listened to uh, Mike Cullen against Strokestown on the radio on Shannon's side with Willie Hegarty alright oh, Willie <laughs> Hegarty fantastic stuff there wasn't a score in the second half for 25 or 26 minutes but it was a real uh, tight game Mike Cullen just got over the line just about um, probably didn't play as well as they would have thought and they hammered Westport the week before so uh, they play Tour de Strand from Sligo in the final now in a couple of weeks' time, but um, you would think they would fancy themselves to, to have a right crack at the All-Ireland if they can come out of Connacht. And, um, you know, I think that the conditions over the weekend weren't brilliant for, for any of the matches, which is a pity. I mean, if we saw these games, and again, it's back to that argument, if it was in August or September, how it good would the matches lost. be?
0: Even I was watching at the weekend, I was trying to keep track of um, my, my dad's home club in Galway, Dunmore McHale's, like they won the Galway Intermediate Club, and at the weekend they beat Ballyhonas, yeah, Nathan Murphy's hometown, of course. Uh in the in the college championship. And like ordinarily during the year you're not following these games. Like I'm not keeping track of Dunmore's <clears throat> scores at all. And now all of a sudden you're you're watching it. Mm. Like you're 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 seeing the news that David Brady's been shoving the manager in the sideline and <laughs> all the all these stories, even like Luke Lachlan's story or Jermaine, Jerome Johnston and Bally Bay and you're getting Paul Finlay on, all of this is lost, like ordinarily speaking. So it's, at least it's getting some breathing space and getting a chance to as you say like they are county level games some of them and the yeah. Ballygun and the, the, the Pierce game was, was a perfect example of that but finally it's getting I just based. wonder
1: yeah and I wonder will that improve with time too Shane if, if like we persist with the split season and we continue with it and give it the space to breathe that those yeah. storylines can generate over a couple of years and kind of people you know f- from, from different provinces become more accustomed to what's happening in, in other provinces like they do in the inter-county scene People
0: are starved of of ga like ga super fans are starved of action, so they're going to go to their club games mm. and, and follow. Like I've heard of people in even traveling to neighboring counties to watch club matches. Really, yeah. It's just li- literally mad for mad for ball, and um, you can understand it at this time of year where people are like, right, it's it's November, dark evenings, there's something to do with the weekend. So yeah, long may it last. Yeah, I, there was so much sports on last night. I know you were probably watching Mark Allen. Oh, getting uh, getting some abuse in the comments. Carlo life for not having Mark Allen in the. Uh, performance rankings this morning can I just make the point that I, I, I made the case for him last night I was, I was written off but to be fair there was a lot happening a lot happening. But, um, Not happening last night Mark Adam really really incredible uh, 6-1 down come back to win 10-7 against Ding and like his evening performance in the evening session was just unbelievable there's a man like 250,000 euro or uh, pounds picked up for the, uh, the, the winner's check and like he'd beaten his good friend Jordan Brown earlier in the tournament lovely little hug between them before the match uh, Jack Lasowski who was an incredible form, he beat him in the semi-finals. And then Ding, you're thinking in the afternoon six one, things got to cakewalk this. Uh, but he's lost five stone, Mark Allen, in the last number of months. And I know Ronnie O'Sullivan has been helping him kind of deal with, with the fitness side of it and, and the meditation. He's been sitting in the seat some of the sessions as well, kind of with his eyes closed and okay. really relaxed. Um, so he's only a world championship away from a only a world championship away from a triple crown now. Yeah. Like he's won the Masters already, so serious focus and um, yeah, that was one of the great achievements in Irish sport across the weekend something we, we absolutely should mention
1: and the, the the fact that he's kind of um, worked on his fitness is an interesting one that for the longer matches at the World Championship he's referenced yeah. that he needs to be a little bit fitter to sustain but he was, even saying, frames.
0: Like, he, was out, he was so out of shape that even some of the shots on the table he was finding it difficult because you know when you're trying to almost stay off the, the cue ball or the other balls and not commit a foul he was finding it difficult and even reaching over to some to some positional shots he just couldn't do it. So now he feels like a, a new man. He, like, he looks like half the person he was. Five stone is a lot of weight to lose. Uh, it was nearly five stone. Um, so yeah, fair play to him. He's, he's a really, really interesting character, Mark Allen. Even in his interviews after the match and stuff, he's, he's someone you can kind of listen to and go, yeah, he's, he's, he's pretty interesting. I saw him hit a 147 once in Monaghan. That's my, uh, that's my claim to fame. But um, really, really good guy. And like, on so, like He's won two of his last three tournaments. So heading into the, the World Championships the next May, April, um, he'd, he'd be one of the favourites. Like yeah. he'd, be the
2: top, he'd be the top five or six, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, long may it last. Uh, yeah. We should uh, give a shout-out to the Lockheed Ilka team who beat Schlock Neil in the Ulster final. They had lost the previous seven Ulster finals to them. Oh. So they turned that over and uh, they're through to the semi-finals. They're going to play Drum and Inch and the other semi-final is going to be... Vincent's against the Galway champions who I've just momentarily lost there. It's uh, Sarsfields. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Sarsfields. um, Back home by the McGraths. So, Mm. um, yeah, they're the semi finals on that as well over the weekend.
1: Yeah, and um, we were on about sport last night. Um, Obviously, the Ireland game. Leona Maguire did really, really well uh, on the LPGA Tour. Just came up a little bit short, but still pocketed a cheque of $550,000, which is... uh, not to be sniffed at at <laughs> all, um, but she played really well. I mean, she didn't probably hit the heights. She had 63 on Saturday and uh, 72 last night, I think it was, but a uh, great end of the season at the Tour Championship for her so
0: that
2: was their season. Tour
1: Championship end yeah
2: yeah, because the prize money was ridiculous yeah the winner
1: Lydia Cole got 2 million and uh Leona Maguire was sole possession a second she got 550,000 I think it's not bad it's not bad. Okay. it's not bad Um but I suppose the next step for her would be to win a major championship uh, if she can do that next season and then Seamus Power was top 5 as well last night in the PGA Tour and Rory um, did brilliantly yesterday too so quite a good day for the Irish and and you had Josh van der Fleer last night and Terry Kennedy. So it was all happening yesterday. Ah,
0: we're class at <laughs> <And> every, <laughs> yeah. everything. Yeah. Get about slugger. the
1: plucky underdog. We're back. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, uh, we've got a different mindset now. Uh, some news as well this morning that Harry Maguire looks poised to start for England in the World Cup later. Um, so the English team is kind of seeping out through the media a little bit. 4-3. Um, four,
2: four, th- is it 4-3-3? Three, three,
1: yeah, I think they're going to play four at the back. I think that's the what Sky are reporting I think this Exciting morning. Exciting so.
2: attacking. That's what I, I read in the papers. Obviously yeah, they've leaked hat. it.
1: But, you know, that group looks tricky to me uh, for England. If they get on the back foot there at all. Like, Iran aren't a bad team. Wales, we've seen what they can do in the Euros and the USA are dead intent on trying to get out of that group. So, I mean... Well, Carlos football style of football for Iran is putrid. So, like, I'm interested to see how bad of a game it is today. Is the little. style of football across the World Cup going to be bad? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, temperatures, time of year, and generally, World Cups tend to be built on Decent defences, would that be fair to say, rather yeah. than expansive attacking
2: stuff? We've had some really, really good group stages um, over the last couple of tournaments, but then as the tournaments have gone on, it, the football has not been good. Yeah. Saka well, instead of Foden. been is less exciting. A,
0: what? Uh, talk of Saka being in instead of Foden today, which isn't interesting enough yeah. really? for the opening game. Yeah, I thought that was uh, strange. Are you going play them both? I would have thought you could play them both, but the, the Sky team seems to have left Foden out, right. uh, which would be quite interesting. Um, talk as well like Harry, Harry Kane is one of the players who's, who's on about doing this uh, the rainbow captain's armband um, and they're now questioning whether he's going to do it because there's threats of a yellow card before the match even yeah. begins take for the, the yellow t- cards yeah take the yellow cards take the yellow cards at least it would make a statement um, now of course from Southgate's <laughs> point of view he doesn't want Harry Kane on a yellow card before the match even starts but I mean it would send a statement if, if they're coming out and literally handing out yellow cards for players wearing a rainbow captain's armband that's that's disgraceful. That's like them giving out about Denmark wearing the the human rights T shirts, you know. Um, so I think, yeah, teams need to stand up. I know they're going to take an e. I
1: think England have said that before the Iran games. Yeah.
0: So, look, that's something. But uh, we're going to need some strong gestures.
1: All right. Anything else, Carl? Well, that's about it. We've gone through most of it. Um, just to recap those kickoff times today at the World Cup. So, uh, England play around at one, then Wales and the USA meet from seven, both of those games in Group B, and then the middle game of the day at four o'clock in Group A between the Netherlands and Senegal. That's at uh, four o'clock this afternoon.
2: All right. Good stuff, Carl. Thanks, Thanks very much guys. for that. Uh, OTBAM brought to you with Gillette every morning in association with November. Effortless shave, magnificent moe. You can sign up or donate now at Movember.com. We're going to talk to uh, David Snade in just a moment about Ireland over the last couple of weeks. And um, Miguel Delaney is going to join us in about 15 minutes time as well from Qatar, maybe a little bit later as well. Now, Braeburn Coffee is the official coffee partner of OTB. Whether you're traveling to work in the morning or training in the evening, Brayburn will give you the boost you need available at Apple Green locations nationwide. Each week we give one lucky viewer a €100 Euro voucher to spend on some Braeburn coffee goodness at an Apple Green store near you. To enter, just check out Off the Ball on Twitter, like and retweet our Braeburn competition post and you'll be in the draw. Up next, as I said, David Snaid live in studio to review Norway and Malta. David Snade is with us. David, good morning how are you? Very well, good morning. Um, I, I was allowed to flick at various stages
3: during the game. He was flicking as well. You I know, yeah, to I was listening the thing. Thing. on the way in. You were flicking between your NFL and you were between your snooker. Flicker had yeah. to be done. I know, yeah. It was not um, It was difficult. Yeah, 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 it yeah, was. Well, it's not getting away from it. Like, it kind of, if you look back, I was kind of thinking back to the first half of the Norway game, and that was really, really disappointing, and kind of just like, I mentioned it in my kind of report on the game, kind of a bit just tepid. It was just very, kind of almost lackadaisical how we were passing the ball. And then against Malta, you're kind of just hoping for it. I was saying it before, just a bit of a reaction and a bit of kind of just, just a bit of pace and open it a little bit. And it wasn't really there. And, it was, but then I was like, when you having notes at the end of the of the first half, there were still little moments that were created in the final third that they just couldn't see off or yeah. couldn't finish off, and you're kind of, I was, I was kind of just th- even thinking about it last night, and then again this morning, it was like it's the kind of game that Ireland have been involved in a fair bit over the last little while, and you're kind of thinking, well, what's been different and you were kind of looking for that little bit of creativity and a bit more of a spark because that's what the whole premise for the last couple of years has been about trying to find a different way of of playing and it was still a lot of the same a lot of the same struggles but then on another night, you into, you could go into that game at half time 2-0 up and maybe it gives a bit of a different complexion it's just about being having that little bit of clinical nature in the final tour when it did come because there was a couple of moments where opportunities could have been like really scored really yeah um Okay, so
2: we, we, we gave you the very difficult task of
3: picking three players who had impressed yeah. over
2: the two games. I mean, maybe but the it, criteria are a bit...
3: But even the na- the nature of the games, like the players, so obviously in terms of who he went for, who impressed, like, Kalamodoude was one of them, but then I still found, I still thought he had, there were still moments where he was very disappointing, but he just had those flashes, obviously he had that burst of pace, and that's something that Stephen Kenny has spoken about, especially in those wing back positions that he wants, that's why he's kind of name-checked Neil Ferrugia or Shamrock Rovers, because he wants to have that little bit of explosiveness in wing back positions, and I think something like that will stand out, I think he can obviously mention it as well, the fact that Coming on as a sub and having that burst of pace and hits the post, those little moments I think will stand out for him as well. And like something like in a game like that against Malta, that's what sticks in the head. Yeah, like, it's nothing spectacular. Okay, there's no one kind of saying Do you know what I oh, was the main man over these two games and really like dominated or whatever. Well, maybe
2: that's the better, a better way for us to have this kind of to frame this conversation. What, what's Kenny looking for from these games? Because like obviously he wanted two wins. He's got uh, a defeat and a win, and I think they'll be disappointed with what happened against Norway. But ultimately, these games don't matter. Right. In the, in the long cycle of when we come back to look at the Kenny era, we're not going to go, oh, those two friendlies, you know, when the World Cup was on and everyone yeah. was not really paying that much attention, they're the ones that stick out in my mind. It'll be something else.
3: Yeah. I, I think that's the way people would be thinking it from, from the outside, I suppose. But if you're, if you're in there, like Stephen Kenny would be looking at it thinking, well, like Will Small, Will Smallbone, for example, like I know people are saying, well, why didn't he get a run? But like, Kenny kind of brought him into the squad to have a look at him. Didn't give him game time, but he did that. He brought that. He did that with Callum O'Dowd when Callum O'Dowd came back in the the previous get together for this, and you you, want, you kind of name checked them, wanted to just get him involved and get right. him in the mix and just see how he was around the place again, right. having not really.
2: So they they don't hothouse players, that, you know. They don't throw them in without but, a full understanding of. Kind
3: what of yeah, and even if you go back to, like, I, I agree with you in the sense that like the results of Ireland had a loss last night. There would have been recriminations, Maybe. definitely yeah. without without a doubt. Um, and so it's not a case of the. the these these games will be pinpointed, but there could be little things within them that for for Stephen Kenny would would be important. you know what I mean so like if you even go back even again you go back to far part, far back to say the summer before last when, oh yeah summer before last when they had played on door and they got the first win, and it was the first kind of time they had a bit of a training camp and stuff together, and like after that you're hearing about players who are kind of standing up a little bit and are actually kind of having a good impact around the place and Kenny kind of is able to have impose his personality a little bit on the squad, so there's stuff that happens, say behind the scenes, and that stuff that you find maybe find out with say Will Smallbone. I wouldn't be surprised with someone like Will Smallbone if he goes back and plays well for Stoke and is is playing games, playing regularly, even though he wasn't involved. I think if he's made a good impression around the place and how he settled in he could be he could be in the mix for March and if if you look at how Stephen Kenny treated, I would say Michael Obafemi, even when you look at the whole point of like when he pulled out of a squad because he felt as if he wasn't fit enough to play and didn't want to be involved and they were the friendlies with I think it was Lithuania, wasn't a member the, mm-hmm. the start of the year? And just how he dealt with that, he kind of reintroduced them then and then obviously it paid off because he had done so well against against Scotland. They're the positives. They're they they the kind of they're kind of scratching around for thinking. Well, what what's the benefit of the last couple of games? And that's probably the height of what you can get from it because the games themselves and how Warren played and what you would expect and where you would expect Orland to be at this point of playing, it's probably not where you, you you would expect them to be or where you would want them to be.
0: Do we give Stephen Kenny any leeway for the fact that Amababadieli Jason Knight? you know, parrots, these lads weren't involved in these friendlies, like is there, there's there's players there who might have made a difference. But you know, that's going to happen, that's international football. Yeah, that's fair.
3: Come March, those three lads could not be available again, there could be other players like if, heaven forbid, like if Josh Cullen's not available. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that's, like that's going to be a big issue and I know Stephen Kenny referenced the kind of depth of the central defenders and that's, like it's significant there. That's actually a, a, a good thing. The Troy Party, that, that's probably one disappointment in terms of not being able to see in this window would be to continue with Obafemi and Troy Party together just because that was a partnership that obviously Kenny was beginning to formulate a little bit, done well against Scotland, home and then away. Again, opportunities, like when you think about the Troy Party's opportunity when he was one-on-one, thinking, oh God, like if that they could have had a totally different complexion on how the year ended. But... Yeah, I think that's just an age of international football. I I just, I don't, I'd be, you'd be a very lucky manager to have your best team available all the time, especially for a team, for a team like Ireland. And it's just about having that structure in place where lads can, can drop in and hopefully be able to do a job within it.
2: So that's the point of small bone coming in, seeing how the squad works. If you, if you end up playing, you'll be playing in that role or this role. So you need to keep an eye on those yeah. and you're not overwhelmed by this. And then when you do come in. Yeah, kind of. Pick you this time.
3: Yeah, kind of. Yeah, that's it. Like, and in fairness, Kenny has spoken about that and you speak to people around it. That's kind of what he wants to do. You know what I mean? And it's also a whole point of, I know people were saying even like on the coverage about, oh, like when Jeff Hendrick, it always seems to be something like Jeff Hendrick or whoever comes on and people are saying, why is, is that? Because it's clear that that's probably now going to be Jeff Hendrick's role. For Stephen Kenny, and he wants to see how he does in terms of a fellow coming. He's no longer going to be forced choice in that starting eleven. He's going to be that experienced head coming on for fifteen minutes. So like, th- yeah, it's not, it's not. But like, we've seen so much change over the last couple of years. This isn't now what's coming for the next little while. We can't yeah, have yeah. an idea of what the eleven is going to be. And these are the kind of the force. How does himself. he respond to being a sub? Yeah, exactly. You know, you know what I mean. Like an experienced player is he gonna? Is he gonna throw a bit of a wobbler and like, not and, and not put a shift in and. Like, that's that's just the nature of international football again. Like, it's the fella's roles and how they are in the team change, and that's how Kenny has to manage it. And that's that's what he's probably been looking for, because you would imagine come, come March time, again, depending on who's fit, that'll be someone like a Jeff Hendricks role.
2: Okay, the other players he mentioned were um, picked out for moments rather than impressed. Is that, how, is that what we're saying? this <laughs>
3: That's fair, isn't <laughs> it? Like, there was yeah. no one, really, was there? Like, no, there yeah, wasn't. Yeah.
2: So Alan Brown's next on your list, obviously. Um, yeah. Scored a great goal. It, it, Alan Brown is always, it feels like, on the verge of being a really, really important player for us, but hasn't quite yeah. stepped into that bit where he's nailed on to start, first choice. He's going to
3: influence games. Um, and he does, though, that's the thing. He actually he has a, an ability to affect games in the final tour in terms of getting into the box week. When I mentioned at the, at the start about little moment in that, in the in the first half that could so easily have been a goal. Like it was him getting on the end of Doherty's little um flick through the nutmeg in, in right on half time. Like he's the one who kinda of seems to have that not so much the license to do it but just the actual awareness and ability to actually pick runs and get into the box. Like you, you go back to the game against Belgium somewhere as well where he did it there where he got got the equaliser there and he scored wasn't it was the, the first game of the Previous campaign under Kenny, with the the Serbia to Serbia with a header, like he's capable of getting in the box. And when you've got a when you have maybe when you are relying on trying to get goals from as many different places as possible, those little moments where you can see him bursting in and and like the that that's going to again should stick in the manager's mind because you need as many players as possible who can affect games in the box.
2: Yeah. Okay. Jamie McGrath.
3: Just because he had that, so, he had so much energy about him. He he looked comfortable on the ball. And again, another player who is coming back into it, having like. You look where he was after making his debut again in the Portugal game in Faro and how things seemed to be going for his career it looked as if he was only going one way that like this was the building blocks to possibly not so much maybe becoming a Premier League player but maybe decent championship level and, and, and then the move to Wigan just disaster oh, nightmare for him absolute nightmare probably at the worst possible time for him because obviously Wigan were flying in League 1 and the manager didn't want to change it he's had to go back to Scotland but then loses his place completely in the squad from a position where he was actually team, thinking, team. he's in the team here and then yeah. he's not in the squad and again in terms of positives just that just the reaction that he had I suppose coming back in and like anyone who knows him obviously because obviously he wouldn't have been around the League of Ireland but he's just like he's just like a good person and he's a good fella like he I'd say he's one of those players who wouldn't have got in into a squad and thinking this is where I am now and regardless I think he, could have, he would have understood why he wasn't in the squad
2: Where did he play last night? <sighs>
3: See, he, he seemed probably more so off the left in terms of on that there was a couple of little moments he was obviously on set pieces on that side there was a couple of little moments of nice intricate play where he was on that side he n- knocked in a nice little cross for the back post actually for, um, for Matt Daugherty that led to that chance for, for Alan Brown but he was kind of drifting a little bit again this is where I think he has plenty to offer so long as he's actually playing football now that he's playing I think he'll he'll stay in I can't, I can't see him not is that he can kind of it's what I suppose what's the term a like flu- bit of fluidity <laughs> or whatever information like he can be on that say on the left side of, say, of a three in midfield or, or even if you can drop back as a two because he's just so technical on the ball yeah. but then if you need him as a bit of a ten if you need to float him off as, as a almost kind of playing off a striker he can do that as well but like yesterday he seemed to do a lot or oh, last night he seemed to do a lot of kind of the damage more so kind of, of a, on the left side essentially which is where he was when, his, when he made his debut against Portugal and was So this terrific. is a depth
2: piece for Ireland if he's you know, playing regularly
3: that will compete with Jason Jason with Knight I would and imagine he yeah. a bit. Yeah, I think Malombie ahead of him. Yeah, but, we'll see Malum I don't see Malumby's a different Malumbe's a different in the sense that he's sort of maybe more so someone who could almost be alongside Cullen a bit deeper. If you were having him a bit further forward, I don't think he gives you the same level maybe of just control and possession as a knight or uh, Jamie McGrath, he just gives you that little bit of aggression and a bit more energy and a bit, like in the Scotland game, uh, during the summer when. A lot of aggression. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but, but you know what? Like, I mean, you know, like that was, that yeah. was Ireland's best performance of the year and it, again, something like that can't be forgotten as well. You know what I mean? Like that's, especially at home in the, in, like in front of those fans, like that's what they kind of respond to. Like, as, like it, it's, like Stephen Kenny referenced after the game that Norway paid. Um, for some reason, it was, he was asked a couple of questions about, about the Norway game after the Malta game last night, and he was saying, "Oh, Malta paid, oh, Norway paid Ireland a bit more respect because he sees Ireland as a bit more of a possession-based team now." But it's more so a case of teams not what they can do against Ireland now that they can just sit in because the pla- that's what where the pla- you got to do with it. Exactly, do yeah. you know what I mean? Whereas, yeah. so it's, like, for, it's
2: actually less respect.
3: In a way. Uh, no, it's just not so much less respect. It's always, it's just kind of it's just like from saying well. This is what we can do. Like yeah. just, this is very easy to deal with. Do you know what I mean? And I would say you're looking at a combination of you need to have that level of control and passing and then being able to, You just need it in, in football now. But you also with Ireland. A lot of the strengths are still in that just a little bit of nastiness and a little bit of aggression that brings a lot more out of some of the players in that squad. The three
0: disappointing players, uh, David, that quote unquote disappointing, yeah. but Gavin Bazunu. Like I thought at the start of the game, he's finished. He's gone. <laughs> he's gone. He's finished. He's brutal. Yeah. Like his distribution was actually okay at the start of the game, and then there was a couple of nervy moments, and you're thinking, yeah. "This is very un-Gavin Bazunu like."
3: Yeah, that was it. That and that do you know what that was my thinking exactly, yeah Like I was just thinking you're this wasn't the Gavin Businel that you've been that been been used to seeing mm. in terms of just a couple of shaky ones like that simple pass out to Josh Cullen in the first half against Norway and I think that, I can't remember who the chance felt to Um but if it's Haaland it's a goal, like, Yeah. You know, and um there was that and then there was a moment where the cross came in and he kinda of stuttered, he kinda of checked kind of Second guess himself and came out went and the ball comes kind of just bouncing off his yeah. chest, and it was just that little bit of hesitation that hadn't been there. Now, in the second half, he made a couple of good saves, and it was like, he, he kind of what you would expect. That's what I'm saying. Like even with the lads who are impressed, you're just picking out. This is what managers are going to do, isn't it? This is what coaches and stuff will do. They're going to just pick out those little moments because like he was at the C E Man City, Southampton game earlier in the season when it was obviously say Haaland against Pizzuno and it, it, could, it could have been eight or nine nil if it wasn't for Gavin Bazzino. But the thing that stood out again, even in that Southampton team, was just the nature of how he was commanding that defence. And there was lads dropping their heads. I like think Gartner mm. Haaland's goal, which I think made a three nil. A couple of the Southampton defenders had collided with each other trying to close them down. Both of them ended up on their backside. And Bazzino was like a, good, like a, like doorman lifting the two of them up by the neck to say, come on lads, get back up. And then him and, um, War Prouse, so obviously he's the captain. The two of them were in, Quite a lot of dialogue throughout the game in terms of trying to keep their heads up here yeah. a little bit, and that was quite telling in the sense of how he seemed to be actually organising. So, when I speak about his it you know, disappointment, it's just because you just expect him now to be faultless. That's probably why you can think any little kind of that little kind of maybe sense of, of vulnerability you're going to mm. think that's, that's not like him. Um, which is it's it's harsh, but listen, you just asked me to do it. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> also on your list
2: are Egan <laughs>
3: and Oma well, Egan because he just because he lost off the guard for the goal like so easily like I don't think there was much of a check for the goal in terms of the run. I don't think like I just that's very that that's that was extremely disappointing for him because again similar to Bazunu you just don't expect it from him. He, he's very good. I seems to be very good at command that box and being organised and not getting caught in the hop like that. And um, so then that was that. And then oh with Femi just because you're kind of looking for something different. I kind of reference this, it again, that piece of it after you're kind of looking for, for something a little bit different from him, where you kind of sense how a game is going. This is in the Norway game, and he didn't really adapt to it. And you're kind of that's perfectly fair because he's 22 years old, he's rebuilding his career in the championship, having burst through a Swansea, he's had his injury issues, blah blah blah. But then you're kind of that's just an, another little indication that he's, there's still a fair bit to go in his in his progression, and you just hope that at club level he continues to play regular football. So when it does come to those days with games at Ireland, he's just going to learn from it and have that bit of experience. Like it's, like he's, been one of the stand, he's been probably the standout in terms of, of for excitement for Ireland this year. Um, but that was probably a bit of a disappointing end to the year for him, I'd say.
2: You'd be surprised to hear there's a lot of negativity in our YouTube comments this morning from uh, people who've watched Ireland over the last two <laughs> weeks, uh, particularly around the manager. So the referendum on the manager is like, wow, that was a massive overreaction. Oh, no. Like, uh, again, I... I, I do think that ultimately what happens in the qualifying campaign is going to decide whether or not we think of the Kenny era as a success or failure. Absolutely, um, and that's harsh because the draw is horrific. Um, but them's the breaks.
3: And uh, what's your assessment of where we are at the moment? Um, of where we are, I'd say it's it's yeah, it's an interesting one because uh, it's going into this campaign. It's just it, it's, like what you said about the referendum, like. Uh, I don't know. It's very tough to kind of judge. I don't, and this, maybe that in itself is a bit of an indictment of. Still, don't know a hundred percent what's what's going to happen because the draw is is very bad and all the rest of it, and, and extremely tough. And even this, if you look at this, this, these two friendly games, it's kind of a bit of a microcosm of what the year has been where it's been moments like in terms of sustained. There was a good half against Scotland away from home, yeah, and that was like very, very positive. But then the nature of how the second half finishes. Nothing's really been sustained. There's been some elements of progress. There's still been some signs where you're like this isn't working in terms of I would say well, I know what said but the set pieces against like that's that's against against Norway, but like you just can't do that in international football at any level. To be be caught in the hop in the nature they did with those two set pieces and it could be harsh, but like you're just gonna get killed. And like teams like France and the Netherlands they don't, they're not going to be relying on set pieces. They, 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 have they those will threats. also have that. They yeah. will, they will <laughs> also have that as part of their army. But yeah. then it's just been, I just feel as if the campaign, your hope and everything over the course of a couple of years of work where Kenny has been working with these players, that it does click and come together. And I say click and it kind of seems a bit ambiguous. But you're just thinking, because there has been some signs of, do you know what, how Ireland have been able to play away from home and also at times at home, Just being able to sustain it and get that mix of what we were saying earlier about having that aggression, but also keeping that level of of control. Now, it's asking a lot because there's still that point of there's still a lot of players there who are just naturally inconsistent and that's the reason where they are in their careers with clubs. So it's how how do you kind of work a system whereby you just find that consistency and international level, it's even more difficult, you know? So short answer, I'll be honest... And then maybe it is a bit of a sorry, you don't know what to expect really in, in March. Like there's been again the Portugal game, Serbia again, they've done well in games against better teams. Yeah. But you're kinda of still thinking, well what's gonna happen and I you don't know, that's just the honest that's, that's uh, the how honest
0: do you way. feel the core fans are leaning, David? Like, is it a fifty-fifty split when it comes to the Kenny question, or is there a def- definite, you know, the, the die-hard Irish fans go to every single game? Do you feel yeah. like there's a a way in which they're leaning at the minute? I don't
3: know. Like, those 700 seven hundred travelling fans in that match yeah. yesterday, like that's an indication in terms of I would say, say, a hardcore of obviously just they're, they're still buying into the into the team. I know, obviously, I wasn't there last night, and then you see some of the lads who were there, obviously covering it. There was like a few bills, maybe a half time, just because of the nature of the performance. Um, like. I would say the Norway game being in, in that, in the crowd, in, in, obviously in the crowd for that one, you weren't, there wasn't like mutiny happening, like there yeah. was disappointment, it was a bit, it was subdued, but maybe that's because of the friendly as well. I I kind of go back to, you was at that, the, the Serbia game, um, in the qualifiers when Erling came back and got that late draw, and I was thinking at that point the crowd, the energy that the crowd gave the team, but also that was on the back of maybe some great saves from Bazzuno, but I think it was also because they saw how the team was, yeah. was playing, like that energy, I don't think it's maybe still at that same level like I'll be honest I don't really go off off social media and and, and the comments like some of the articles I put up on online I made the mistake a couple of times of looking at comments <laughs> and being like oh my god like, why, why do I even do this job what is the point do you yeah. know what I mean but I just think I know I just think I think there's been enough I think there's been enough kind of sporadic signs of performances where it's actually looked very coherent and players buying into it and understanding that you would think do you know what there should be enough goodwill there within that group that it's going it could click in, in, the, in the in the qualifiers. The, the problem is, it's been such a tough draw that regardless, Ireland, Ireland could play absolute perfect games in some of those games and still get nothing in them. Yeah.
2: So that's what... what I think the, if, if that happens, like if, if France beat us 2-1 and we play really well, you'd have to say uh, most Irish fans are reasonable enough to go, well, that was a good performance. Yeah,
3: and, yeah, that's, yeah, and see, that's part of the element, I would say, where they, in terms of where they're a bit conflicted, is in the sense that... Like when Stephen Kenny took the job, he obviously he came in and maybe he did, he made it all for his own back because he came in not so much promise, promising a revolution, but saying things are going to change yeah. in terms of the style, in terms of the performances and in terms of how, the, how Ireland do things. And it's happened to a degree, but then when you have performances like last night and against Norway, people are saying, well, hold on, this isn't what we all signed up for. Uh-huh. So that's where people can come back to it. So it's the whole thing of, well, if results are the only thing that matter, but then last night, let's move on. It's grand that I bought But the whole point is, is that it's not because where the Irish football is and where what or I think a lot of people who are invested in Irish football want is, is to be able to see a consistency of change of how Ireland do play and how they operate. But it's at the very, I think it's at the start of the whole process. Though, yeah. You know what I mean? And it might not be Stephen Kenny further down the line who maybe re- sees the benefits of it, but it has to start somewhere. Yeah. And I just think you just have to, it's not a case of sticking with it. Like football has changed and you have to, it's moving with it. Otherwise, yep. you're going to be left behind. Like, I'd, I'm not just saying, like, I did an interview with Robbie Brady about this a couple of weeks, uh, last week, and he made the point as well. He just said, like, what do people want? Do they want us to be backs against the walls, fighting for our lives, every single game against every single team? Yeah, thank and, you. And, like, I know jail the but he it was great. He just said, listen, nobody's shite anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes, Shane. Do you know, like, no one is, like, <laughs> in terms of systems, like, you're coming up against teams who can be rigid and frustrate you, and the nature of where they're at, they haven't got, the moment the caliber of players who, as a whole, not just individuals, but as a whole, who can win, say, a three or four. Would we not have a game? caliber of player that's above Malta? But, oh no, yeah, no, for, for sure. That's we we Ireland, but, but that's why Ireland, that's Ireland we won the game. That's why Ireland won the game, and, and in the game were comfortable, other than a couple of moments on the counter. Like Ireland dominated the ball. Do you know what I mean? It's not as if like there was games not too long ago when Ireland were getting absolutely bust by Georgia home and away. Mm. Like that's not going to happen now to the same degree like Georgia. Again, not at him. Like they've got, they've got one of the most exciting players now in European football. In well, Cravadonna, thats what he's called, isn't he? But like, <laughs> but what I was saying is, is that that's what's changed. One good thing that's changed, I think, under Stephen Kenny now with Ireland is, is that seeing Ireland being absolutely bust and outclassed by teams home and away isn't going to happen. But it's that next step of being able to just consistently do that and still win. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that that concern I have is you know when you say Fran- if we lose two to France and play
0: well, I think there'll be a little bit of empathy there for for Stephen Kenny. I almost feel like it, it's at the level now next March where it's entirely down to results. Like, and I accept that. Like, if I you agree play, with you, no, if, I agree like, with you. Yeah. If we lose two to France and play really, really, really well, and we and we lose the next game, he's gone regardless. And and, and I'd feel sorry for him because the performance yeah. against France is. I'm not sure if he'd be gone. No, I don't think. But he'd he'd agree
2: get get really
3: no, but I agree with you. the surge would be well, like. No, no, but are I, I agree. It, but. Yeah, I agree with you now. Where it is actually f- f- from the outside point of view, and for all the people, maybe even fans now it is like they said, you know what we've seen what you are trying to do in terms yeah. of changing it. You see, you've seen them with the players you've brought brought in and given given chances to players who may be being eased out of it. That's all. Been, that's all been great, but now one hundred percent, like yeah. I think. I, Everybody here, of course you're going to take beating France 1-0 if it's absolutely brutal no matter how it happens. <laughs> Do you know what I mean?
2: David, same with us. i got to tell you what's coming up on uh, OTB Sports Radio today. At one o'clock, OTB Gold is Brian O'Driscoll meeting Ethan Osewa. Splunk is live at three. Our uh, documentary at four is The Brawl, which is obviously uh, Mayo and Meath. OTB Gold is Michael Owen on his life after football and the show is live tonight with Joe in this chair with Monday Night Rugby and the football show set to be stacked this evening so be sure to tune in you can follow OTB across all our social channels and subscribe to the OTB podcast network for all the best in the latest sports content and we're live every morning with Gillette in association with Movember effortless shave magnificent Mo you can sign up or donate now at movember.com after the break we're going to talk World Cup OTB AM right we're uh, talking about the World Cup David Snates still with us Um, who's going to win what do you think and what's your instinct on the actual football side of it
3: um I, I, I just fancy. I do actually really fancy Brazil. Like I know it's probably the most obvious thing in the world to to say, but I just you look at the the level of the depth of talent they have throughout the pitch. Although I'll be honest, I was still still me was shocked that Daniel is still uh, is still knocking about. But like that, the, the amount of talent that they have, I just think, how can you not? Like because I, I I know people are saying oh well like, will defend will a, a strong defense win say a World Cup, but I think I don't know. I, I just think like the spark they have throughout the pitch and like obviously. Finishes Junior and, and I just I just think they have that little le- level of solidity th- to go with it you know um, but it's probably the most obvious thing in the world to always say Brazil for a, for a World Cup but I just think yeah that's, that's who, I'm, who I'm going for
2: uh, The news this morning the uh, CEO of the English FA has um, told the BBC that FIFA will book Harry Kane if he wears the one love armband in the game today mm. um, take the bucket take the bucket no because yeah, Miguel pointed out on Twitter earlier on um, none of the football federations are actually doing anything significant to protest this World Cup in any meaningful way yeah. they were going to wear an armband that's like look how brave we are we're wearing an armband and now because of a booking they might not do that
3: Yeah. You know. Like, it's like what you say about being meaningful if they view this as if England FA view this as th- this is their protest this is how that they're going to do it well then you have to stick stick by it and do it they're going to take the knee as well aren't they I think they're going to say okay with saying that like you know, I'm conflicted with this in the, in the sense of and I wrote, again I wrote a piece about this right and everyone's everyone's known about this like you're either stand, you're either standing up against what's going on or you're not you can't like have half measures on it do you know what I mean? So like what by them wearing the by them wearing the the Captain's Armand, the One Love Captain's Armand, like what what are they what's the, what are they trying to say by that? What are they gonna what's their thinking behind that? Um I, I, there was a detail which I, I had missed. Um so one of the
2: uh, Qatari organizers, so it was clearly a member of the ruling the ruling family, was doing media training and was asked a question about uh, gay rights and uh, he was like, but it's, uh, you know, our rules, of course, um, homosexuality is a crime. It's, it's illegal, like most places, right? And there's kind of silence in the room as he looks around going, right? Uh, I, I can't remember who tweeted it yesterday. So perhaps there is uh, more significance to this than we see and we think. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with
3: you, largely. I think that, like, um, if you're going to do something, do something good and do something big. Because I kind of think the way it is now even, and it's always been the case that obviously players have have power, I think more so now. Like, I made the point, like Messi, say Ronaldo, and maybe it's like, oh, you can't put, the way it's even some of the conversations has been about, oh, well, you know, players are just players as if they haven't got a clue what's going on in the world. Do you know what I mean? Or as if they haven't got a clue what any of these issues are. Now, maybe some of them don't, but I just think that actually players have so much power now and you've seen, I say, what happened with stuff in the Premier League and all the rest. Of it, and, and over the last little while, um, with again the anti discrimination campaigns that have been that have been happening and, and relatively successful, although lot know we have stopped taking the knee. I just think players have so much more power now, where they could have been the ones to actually force something significant to happen in this. I could make the point that Messi and Ronaldo have like they're the two biggest icons of this game, probably the two best players who have ever played the game at the same time, coming to the end of, of a World Cup. And they've both been silent, totally silent. Well, other than Ronaldo, Ronaldo kind of said, well, like his biggest issue was was talking about well, it's happening in in the kind of in the winter time or yeah, over there yeah. and stuff, as if that was one of the issues that was really significant about the whole lot of it. People keep bringing it up. i like, I yeah, know it's, it's up, a bit it's different. Just it's just because it's different. It? it changed. Like, yeah. I, I thought it was a bit weird as well. Let's be honest, it is more so because they had said it's going to still happen during the summer. Lied. And then, and yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, so like, that was the first of them. Yeah, you know. So, I, but I kind of think that this whole thing of where players maybe can get off the hook. Because, oh, well, you know, they're the ones who have to go there. Well, they don't have to go there. If they actually, like... Well, like and and it's, listen, listen, it wasn't so long ago in this country that homosexuality was was illegal. Do you know what I mean? It's it's But for a World Cup to be happening there when, like, something like that, a basic fundamental right where it's literally illegal to be homosexual, and also you have the level of what Amnesty International have been talking about in terms of literally modern slavery with um, workers, like, people, humans yeah, going in dying. and dying... And people saying, "Well, ah, we'll, we, well uh, wear an iron band," or they'll 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 go on a on an airplane flying over to a team that's named. Was it was it the thing in yeah? Rainbow? you know what I mean? Like, to be honest, that that almost to me smacks it even worse because, like, yeah, you're acknowledging what you're acknowledging what's going on. You're saying, you know what, this is disgraceful, but this is what we're going to do about it. Do you yeah. know what? It's it, so empty. Like, it really is. I'll be honest. Like, I just think fair enough. You're you're, you're, you're speaking about it so that's something at least yeah. but if you're going to speak about it speak about have actual serious action about it and this is where I'm saying about like FIFA and all the rest of the country it's the World Cup players and the countries here are the ones who have had the power about this if they really wanted to actually affect a bit of change they could have done so but it's clear that it's like they're just going along with the status quo and It'd be weak if they pulled out of the armband thing because of the threat of a red card before the game. Like, we,
0: we talk, about, you talk about famous red cards in World Cups, Beckham kicking Simeone or Zidane headbutt. Like so sorry, you know, I know, but I mean, I mean, what I'm saying is, if he takes a yellow card before the game and then Harry Kane, say, picks up an innocuous yellow card ten oh, minutes yeah, in for something yeah. stupid, and then he's sent off, that highlights the fact... It's, yeah. one,
2: it's one of the most famous red cards in World Cup history, then. It definitely Because his is. first yellow was for yeah.
0: standing up for LGBT
2: rights. Yeah,
4: mm. okay.
2: I, I mean, I, again, that's the other side of this, is that, like... By going and constantly talking about the issues the whole time, then Qatar don't get the global kudos for staging. Oh look look what you managed to do from the, the rubble of the desert. You built all these stadiums. Like, how did you do that? Even like, oh with slave labor. Oh yeah. lots of people died.
3: But, but but even that but there's obviously that. And like the whole thing of say journalists going, I understand that and like it's been highlighted for so long in terms of all these issues, like it has been. And then part of the reason when you're there like I was reading um colleague Gavin Cooney's uh, stuff about trying to get to the match yesterday and the, the bus driver getting lost and stuff but then like the stadium people streaming out of the stadium early into the second half and it's just like this is the opening game of a World Cup yeah. in a country that let's be honest like should not be hosting the World Cup ha- does not really care about football it's obviously being used for something far, far bigger and then you have a, you've got Ecuador fans in there chanting saying we want beer you've got like and nearly a three quarters empty, empty stadium in the hosts' first game of a World Cup. It just shows you what an absolute sham it is. It really does. And don't get me wrong; I am sure there'll be great moments on the pitch that'll that'll happen, and there'll be moments where fans and all will have will have a great time over there. But like what you are saying, there it just, I just kind, I am still finding it difficult just to comprehend how it's got to how it's got to this point. I really am money.
2: Uh. Virgil van Dijk has said he will wear the armband, and if he's booked, then we'll make a decision as what to do for the other games.
3: Because obviously the bookings will toll. Um, that's even so, better. Well, that's like well, then them. let let him do it, and then like you'll see what happens. You're going to have maybe like players, some of the best players in the world, being suspended from the tournament, and then it just makes an, an absolute sham of it even yeah. more. Yeah, I
2: mean, maybe. You know I mean? Could you take FIFA to court? Would that be, is that possible? Can you, I don't know if you well, can. it's all policing at
0: it,
3: so it, like, we, don't know. it doesn't just, know where it goes. I it's, it's just, listen, all this stuff about taking the bookings and all the rest of it, like, they if they had to have all come together, if they had to have all come together beforehand and said, do you know what, this is abhorrent, we cannot stand by this, you telling me that something couldn't have happened, something couldn't have changed? If they wanted to really force a significant change that's some of the most powerful in terms of sporting individuals in the well, world. Well, if
2: you had Messi and Ronaldo both saying something together,
3: you know. I mean, well, you came together for that bleeding what was it, the thing on Instagram? Sorry for my language there. Like, uh, what was it, the post? Was it for Louis Vuitton or something like that? Or oh, was was some chess thing? It was a Pepsi yeah. or something. Well, I don't, know, I don't know, know what it was. but well, So they're, they're capable of getting in a room together when it suits them and, you know, something like that. And this is what I'm saying. Like, this is why I, I can't get over where players at that point can still get a total free pass on this. Where, like, of course you know what's going on.
2: Well, they, you know, uh, most of the players at some at some point have been taking money somewhere along the way that they're a little bit uncomfortable at Well, yeah, and that um, sometimes it's not it's not too late to like you know stun people with their lack of gratitude by. Saying, yeah I did take your money, but I actually think it's it, where you got your money is pretty abhorrent I
3: mean, mm. uh, we're, we're all filled with contradictions, I suppose, and it's easy for me to to, to sit here um, being slightly angry, haven't gotten soaking wet so coming into the studio this morning, they, and be, like, like, complaining about something happening in the desert. But I do feel some sympathy with like
2: say Wales, who are in their first World Cups in 58, right? And yeah. they're there, and they you know they qualify for this tournament. It was in 2010. It was decided through a massively corrupt process that it was going to be here, and you're like we are going to yeah. give up this. But, uh, you know, like, and that, that whole point about every government in the world is happy to do business with Qatar and Saudi Arabia and China and America and other, yeah. uh, you know.
0: And they're uh, in the awkward situation of being in the group with Iran as well who, like, I mean, the Ukrainian FA have called for them to be expelled
2: because of their support of Russia. Like, I know, but like, I, like, could the Iranian team make a statement about uh, the women of Iran? I mean, they really could. Could. They could. Like, they could use their platform to be like, "Yeah, we, we, we stand with our women." Like, yeah. that would be that would be amazing. We so even like
3: Carlos Queiroz's press conference on a couple of a few days ago talking about when he was being asked about this, and he's like asking the reporter who's who's asking the questions about what's going on, and he's asking who does he work for. He's like, "How much are you going to pay me to answer this question and stuff?" I'm like, "That's not how it works." I don't think. No, you no. Know, um, no
2: people's uh, <laughs> people's ignorance of the uh, way that the world works is um, I don't know maybe he thought that was a
3: brilliant strategy and maybe it plays know. really well with like, and, but like this the like Iranian FA yeah possibly but even how I'm speaking about it now this is probably naive in the extreme for me talking about this in terms of like it's probably the point f- for Qatar where they're probably thinking like we were saying here about that media voice or, well, well this is homosexuality is illegal throughout the world like, you know what I mean like for them they're thinking well our way of life is how what they're trying to spread out there, I well suppose, isn't it? That's, our country, uh, our rules. Do you know what I mean? And, and yeah. like, okay, that's fair enough. But then surely it should be, well, actually, no, that's not what what should be happening here. And then you see it uh, then yesterday as well, isn't it? The Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia is beside yeah. uh, Infantino. So, yeah. you know what's happening. You know what's kind of coming down the line then, don't you, for the World Cup in 2030, as far it is? It'd be to see where that one is. I mean, well, Erdogan was there as well, wasn't he? The Turkish. Yeah but I mean it's just but then it's also going to be wrong like the next World Cup after this is going to be in America isn't it America and Canada Canada and Mexico do not get me wrong like there's there's so much of American society oh yeah absolutely absolutely. Trump could build a wall between two of the competing two of the host nations in the meantime
2: you know so anyway on that happy note (laughs) um, England and Iran kick off this afternoon and uh, then it is Wales and the USA this evening all no, right, there's three games, though. Am I missing a game? Holland. Senegal, Netherlands. Netherlands. Yeah, yeah Netherlands decent yeah. game. Peace and game. That should be good, yeah. Right, uh, OTBA, i brought to you live with Gillette in association with Movember. Effort to Shave, Magnificent Mo. You can sign up or donate now at movember.com. My thanks to David Snae for joining us in studio. Shane, your Monday Club first one? First one in the books. I should mention before we finish, Ger, the, uh, Murray Kinslow's tweet this as well, a report
0: that Eddie Jones is on the brink of agreeing an eighth-year deal as USA head coach. Man, uh, man, uh, man, through until their man, yeah. home 2031 World Cup, so... Uh, we'll, we'll wait and see if that uh, plays out but eight years decent contract if it happens
2: yeah there you go uh, right we're back tomorrow plenty of reaction to the first full day of World Cup action Stephen Ferris will reflect on the Autumn Internationals plus plenty more besides OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember Effortless Shave Magnificent modes.